Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It is two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five of this, the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not really ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, Friday, and welcome to Day 12. If you would like to engage with us telephonically, you can do it at uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 520 520- Five one five two zero five one, or you can email us. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com, uh, or you can email our production assistant extraordinaire, Greg Nibbler. It's N I B L E R at KUFO.com. Uh, coming up today, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. He'll give us the latest on uh, the Michael Jackson case, and I guess. GM, which either is or isn't filing for bankruptcy, which either will or will not receive more of my tax dollars, and who either will or will not create cars that people want to buy. It's all very unclear at this point. Uh, let's see what else is coming up. Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will have his review of Bruno, uh, the new, which I don't plan on seeing, by the way. I'm just going to tell you right now. Well, the good part about Bruno is... It's only 88 minutes. Really? And movies appear to be getting shorter. The Hangover is only 96, so pe- the public is being cheated out of hour and a half movies. Here's Ice the- Age, 87 minutes. Here's the thing about Americans. Americans want value for their money everywhere but the movie theater. You try to give Americans more for their dollar at the movie theater, then they start bitching about it. It's too long. Hey, have you seen that new iPhone application that tells you when you can go uh, take a whiz during a movie? No, I have not. It's... It's not called an iWiz, but it's, it's called something much like that. But it's, it's a thing that tells you when you can go to the bathroom during certain films so you don't miss key points in the plot. So it's like you don't, because you don't want to go, you know, you go to relieve yourself or the snack bar or something. And then, you know, I am your father. And then you come back in and everybody's a gog and you, oh, what did I miss? What? Oh, come on. Uh, it's, a, it's some application where it just gives you it counts down from the start of the movie i think when the movie starts you hit the you hit a button you hit the timer or something and then it tells you in blocks of time when you can leave the theater for a couple minutes without missing anything crucial and you know and here's the thing it's wrong of me to say that i'm not going to see the bruno film because i clearly am but i don't want to that's like that's a movie that i'm going to be seeing out of obligation i'm telling you right now i'm going to see that new sasha baron cohen film because i feel like i'm supposed to not because i actually anticipate that it will be good Oh, that does remind me. Have I played you guys? Did I play the Bruno, the liners that they cut for us? I don't think so. I think I've got one. Hold on a second. I remember you talking about them. I don't think we heard them. Let me see if I've got those. I've I've got one uh, here somewhere. Let's see. Bruno. Bruno. All right. Can you, uh, is my computer turned up? All right. Let me just, uh, let me just start the day with, uh, with one of these here. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the next voice you hear will be that of Sasha Baron Cohen. What's up? Ich bin Bruno. And I'm going to spend the next four seconds having erotic thoughts about Rick Emerson. Hmm. Oh. Ach ja. That guy is tastier than Stupfwurst. Don't forget, nice. Bruno comes to theaters July the 10th. 
Ich bin pushing das Limits. Know, that's a, so that's disturbing. Oh, stop. Ich no, stop. He's right. getting to the point where mediocrity is okay now. <laughs> He's like the Ryan Seacrest of jokesters. <laughs> The thing about Bruno is, well, first of all, it's only 88 minutes, and I think that's including the closing credits. And I think it's actually been shortened from 88 minutes because they had to cut out that whole Michael Jackson segment. There was a, I think there's a oh, whole yeah. segment where he is trying to get Michael Jackson's phone number from Latoya Jackson, which then sets up a whole joke with Paula Abdul. And so I'm unclear about whether they've cut out everything from Latoya to Paula or whether it's just the Latoya segment. But and another thing, and and there was a lot of discussion on the Intertron about uh, whether whether he'd gone soft because he was going to be cutting out this Jackson joke, and you know, I was suddenly afraid of offending people. And I don't think it was. I think it was just that the joke didn't work because I think if you're in a mo- if you're in a movie that is purportedly a documentary trying to get the phone number of a guy who is dead. I think that maybe the joke doesn't function properly, so they had to remove that. So I think the whole movie maybe like seventy nine minutes or something. Anyway, I'll see that. That's a movie where I'll I'll try to find. I'm going to engineer some way to see that for less. I I don't feel good about giving twelve dollars to see like seventy nine minutes worth of film. That's uh, that's not going to work. I know, and matinees are like eight bucks now. It's highway robbery, Tim. I won't I won't pay it. Can I? Can I tell you the other day that I was, uh, I, I interviewed these guys for Outlook Portland that had written a whole book about the history of cinemas in Portland. And they were talking about the fact that as of 19, God, 1915, in 1915, how many theaters, and I don't mean like cabarets, like an actual movie house, how many movie houses do you believe there were in Portland, Oregon in 1915? Anyone? A dozen? 72. In 1915, there were 72 Seriously? movie theaters in Portland, Oregon. Uh, anyway, so these guys wrote this whole coffee table book about it, and one of them actually used the phrase, and you could see a movie and get some popcorn for a nickel, which is great. It's like It was like seeing a guy talk about having an onion on his belt, like in real life. It was genius. Well, I, I suppose because there were so many studios at that time, and studios owned their own theaters. Right. If you wanted to see, uh, uh, well, Fox wasn't around then, but if you want to see an MGM movie, you went to whatever theater that MGM owned. And so plus on. it was such... It was still such a novelty at that point that it was like a it was like a no lose business. I mean, just it didn't matter. Like you could just put up a bed sheet and just show like just show that endless loop of that cowboy pointing a gun at the screen like for like a hundred uh, you know times in a row, and people would pay to That's see it. That's still scary. Uh, all right, hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? You're looking well. bright eyed and bushy tailed. Aren't I though? No, not so much. <laughs> I know I'm sleepy today. I can't help it. No, Wait, no, it's no. been a busy week. It, it really it has is. been. I am exhausted. I... And it wasn't even like I was out late or anything last night. It's just like I was sleeping and I enjoyed sleeping last night. I woke up this morning and it was hard to wake up. I've done. I did something that I for the last I think three nights in a row I have gone to bed way earlier than I normally do before I'm even tired. Sort of like a preemptively going to bed early because I know it's a good idea. Which is when you realize you become old and boring. Because I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night, and I wasn't tired, wasn't sleepy, anything. I just realized, okay, this is probably the sensible thing to do, Richard. Let's go to sleep right now. And then you just sort of have to accept the fact that you've become lame. Let's uh, pay a, a brief visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 509 is going to be partly sunny all weekend. Highs in the mid-80s. And alas, an alleged Damascus peeping Tom has been caught in the act. 43-year-old Paul Cameron Clink caught allegedly peeking in a 14-year-old girl's bedroom window. Her dad and a neighbor held him down until the cops arrived to haul him away. Excellent. A Tawalton woman is charged with hiring some roughnecks to meet up her ex-boyfriend. 20-year-old, yeah, she's only 20. Olivia Bunn is charged with soliciting to commit assault, robbery, and burglary. The ex-boyfriend is also the father of that unmarried woman's child. She was never able to carry out the heinous crime. 
Oregon is getting a new area code. Write it down. It's 458. For where? Where? Where is this going to be? The busy populace of southern and central Oregon. Is that so like Bend? Yeah. Well, I never call anybody in Bend anyway. Uh, these areas were running out of phone numbers, so they gave them a new area code. Now there are four statewide. The other ones are 503, 541, and 971. Does it seem like there's some other more efficient way to do this that we can't quite think of, but that must be out there? I mean, this, this area code business is getting out of hand. It seems like there's got, there's got to be some other way to handle the number of phone numbers we have now, but I can't think. I don't know math well enough to know what it might be. It seems like we've got to be going about this the wrong way somehow. This is one of those things where you want to get one of the, the, like those 12-year-old math prodigies and sort of put him to work on this. Hey, uh, real quickly, we uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today. Did you all see the, the picture of Barack Obama? Yes, I, I posted it's, it on my website. No, I haven't seen best it. Thing go I to RileyLive.com. Yes, you can go to Tim's website. It's it's all over. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you go to Riley Live, and, it is, and it's him and Jacques Chirac, right? Yes. Which is that? That's the that's the thing that makes it even better. Is that the French president is standing right next and to him? A shapely lady. It is the best oh photo. Oh my god! How awesome is that? that Are is, you kidding me? That is the no. best thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, it, it, so you can go to uh, RileyLive.com. You can see this. It's also at RickEmerson.com. And the only the caption I put is I just I just captioned it. My president, my leader. Hell yeah! Um, so it Tim's is, was it, the it, president. It, will have some explaining to do to the first lady. Seriously. And she doesn't, she doesn't look like a woman who takes a whole lot of guff either. And Chirac uh, is standing there like, ooh la la. So if you if you haven't seen this picture yet, uh, you can go to RileyLive.com and see it. It is, this is taken, is this in France? Do we, where yes. is this at? So, French women are always wearing those tight skirts. So it's a photograph of a uh, uh, former, um, or a France president, um, wait, no, it's not Chirac, Jacques no, Chirac. It it's, no, it's, what's his name? Nicolas Sarkozy. Sarkozy. Um, he won French presidents. It doesn't look like, honest, to be honest, it looks like he's looking at her shoes. Oh, he's not. That that is uh, that's all ass is what that is. Well, those so, are sensible shoes. So it's a photograph of Barack Obama and Nicolas Sarkozy, who is the, the president of France, and they're standing on what looks like the like the steps of maybe a, like a courthouse or some sort of a building. They're, but they're going down a series of steps in public, and there is a shapely young woman who is passing by Barack Obama, and he's very clearly turning after she has gone by uh, to check her out from the back, and but then it's sort of like. Nicholas Sarkozy is approving of Barack Obama approving of the woman. So it's just it, it's the best photograph you're going to see all week. So I strongly urge you to go check it out. And so if they haven't done this already, you know they got to track down whoever this woman is. Mm-hmm. Because don't you want to know, I mean, who is the woman who could distract the leader of the free world? That's what I want to know. Oh. And she'll be on Larry King. It's Yeah, it's it's quite something. And it's, I think it's been on the front page of Drudge for like 36 hours or something now. And don't you just sense, this is just a guess now, don't you just sense that they're hoping that it becomes some sort of a scandal, that it becomes some sort of a controversy? When I think I speak for about 98% of the world when I say, all right then, I approve. Excellent. All right. Uh, straight ahead, we'll have more from Tim Riley coming up later on. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will be here to review Bruno. And that I mentioned, we're going to be interviewing Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. That'll be uh, later right here on this. Uh, this They've very canceled more concerts. Maybe you should mention that to him. All right. <laughs> Joey, how's that uh, tour going? What with the canceling and all? Hello, Joey? The Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. Stay right there. We return momentarily. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. What's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start?
good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will uh, join us from New York City. Get us updated on uh, General Motors and the uh, general state of the American economy, as well as Michael Jackson. Because I guess the headline is today that the family's been told that the police haven't ruled out foul play yet. I guess it, that was a, that was the headline I saw, although it's all very... There are a variety of different headlines for every taste. Many, many, many facets to this story. Coming up uh, in the 7 o'clock hour, Aaron Duran will review Bruno and Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. And Sarah pointed out that I've been shouting the words Joey and Kramer. It's not like he has... I thought it was for a reason. Maybe I'm confusing him with Jim Kramer. (laughs) Maybe it's just... just I think so. It's just because he's he's, uh, fantastic. Um, See, now in my head, I'm picturing Joey Kramer on television going, I am moving Bluth to a don't sell! Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, 526. And it's going to be a mostly sunny weekend. Highs in the mid-80s. How would you like a Pacific Wonderland license plate? The state hopes you do. The state of Oregon is re-releasing 40,000 vintage Pacific Wonderland license plates beginning March 2010. Write that on your calendar. At $100 per cent plus a $23 fee. The plates will help raise $2.5 million to build a new state history center in Salem. These blue and yellow plates, reminiscent of the Kennedy administration, will also celebrate the Oregon sesquicentennial. Are they blue and yellow or are they, or are they orange? And Wait a minute. No, you said blue and yellow. and yellow. Not blue and orange? No, blue and yellow. All right. And so these are, when do these, are these replicas of plates that used to exist? Yes, from 1959 to 1964. Mm, yeah, I've seen them around on old cars. They're kind of cool. I remember seeing the, okay, because the, the plates in Oregon are now, what the hell color the fa- are our license plates now? tree. Is it? But what color? What is the color scheme of white and green? Yeah. Is that they're white, white and green? With the green tree. Uh-huh. So and always bent. There was, and now there was a uh, there was a point I think maybe in the seventies where the where Oregon plates were blue and orange because you still see those around now and again. Um, so I think the blue and yellow must have been before my time. Uh, and, and the yes. answer, oh, oh, the blue and yellow are cool looking. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen. I like those. them. And yeah, solid yellow with like the the navy blue writing. And mm-hmm. the answer to your question whether I want one of those, no. The answer is the answer at one hundred and twenty three dollars. Yeah, fall for this Thank between you, no. now and twenty ten. Here's why I'm not going to fall for it because it goes to fund something that I'm never going to visit, never going to go look at, never going to go see. I'm never going to go to Salem to look at the History Museum of Oregon. It's not going to happen. So you have to go to Salem if you go to the coast. The, the signs confuse you so much they force you to drive through Salem whether you like it or not. It's Salem and Otis. There's just no getting around those two towns. Here's where I go to Salem. I go to Salem to eat uh, funnel cakes at the fair and to watch Weird Al Yankovic. That's about it. I think, in fact, I think of of the trips that I have made to Salem, Oregon since uh, moving back here in 98, I think 75% of them have been to see somebody performing at the fair. That's, that is about it. Because otherwise, like, what the hell, the hell am I going to Salem for? This is, I mean, I'm just it's too far. Speaking for myself, I'm just saying there doesn't appear to be much of a reason. Also, $123 is too much to pay for something when it seems like they could, I don't know, be fixing the roads we drive on. They, they're going to fix the roads. That's a lie. Well, it is always. <laughs> just going to cut you off of the pass right there. That's not going to happen, Tim. We all know this to be true. Because you asked, and because you didn't ask, but probably will ask later, Michael Jackson's family is bitterly divided on how to best profit off the uh, dead king's remains. So, the body has been stashed in Barry Gordy's crypt right now until things cool down. So it hasn't been buried. No. It's, but, I know there's a pun there that I'm not going to make, but but in other words... They're waiting for the brain to come back. So they... 
So they haven't. Is that like waiting for a Godot, but it, it, but squishier? Mm-hmm. So they they haven't buried it, and so it's at, it's at Barry Gordy, and Barry Gordy is the founder and owner of Motown, which is at Forest Lawn. So, oh, okay. So they just wheeled it over, opened the door, and pushed it and slammed the door shut. Okay, so it is at Forest Lawn. It's just not in the Jackson family plot. It's at Gordy. So I thought it was like at his house or something. Like it's in his garage next to his fishing equipment. Okay, so they've left it there because they want the brain to come back. And then they're going to bury him all together. Yes. They don't want to be burying him like a patchwork quilt of some kind. And they're begging the brain to come back, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, Aside from uh, Jackson, the simple mausoleum is empty and marked only with a distinctive swooping G. Gordy. So that's that. Say, the question is, would you pay $5 a month to read the New York Times online? Newest papers are getting desperate. They've offered things online for the longest time, but they don't offer... The story is as long as it is in the print edition. Is that, I thought the New York Times was was available online, sort of. It is, but you don't get the full story. It says, for the full story, subscribe to the Times. Uh-huh. You you get a, a shorter version of the story, kind of a headline edition. So now they're saying, well, if you're willing to pay five bucks a month, you can get the whole New York Times online. That seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. So if all these 650,000 print subscribers paid $5 a month for the website, that would be an instant $39 million a year. Well, I man, it's just it's such a tricky proposition though, because it's so hard at this point. I don't know. I'm I have so many different opinions on this. I just I, I just don't know. They, the the problem with with I think distributing news online is they just waited too long to try something like this, and so now everybody is just accustomed to getting it for free. And once people are used to getting something for free, <coughs> radio, it's going to be almost impossible to get them to pay for it. <coughs> Satellite failure uh, because because you've got a hundred years of people being acclimated, just turning it on. There's hot and cold running information, mm-hmm. and so the idea that you can then sort of after the fact just start jacking them for ten dollars a month for something is that's just it's just never going to work. Um, it's like Salon is this way. Here's the thing: you ever go to Salon.com? And Salon is this online, it's sort of like a Vanity Fair type magazine, but it's online. And they have a good lot. I mean, and I go there, I don't know, not not as regularly as I used to. And here's why. Because when I go to Salon, I think there's, I think about every nine minutes, I have to sit through like a 45-second commercial, and it's just too much. I just, I can't take it. And I just close it, and I just I just go back to playing video games. Um, the New York Times, you know what I would what I would do, though? I might do that in conjunction with that like Kindle thing. If I ever get the if I ever get one of those the, the book reading uh, deal, the the Kindle or with like the Sony equivalent of that, because paying five bucks a month to sit there and read a newspaper at my computer, although I guess if I had a laptop, I might be different. I guess I'm thinking about being chained to my desk and having to read the New York Times, which is substantial, by the way. I mean, the New York Times is like fifty pounds of newspaper. Yes. So having to sit uh, uh, like at home in front of your computer and read the entire New York Times, that's one thing. I guess if I could sort of take it with me, that might be something else altogether. Speaking of which, I can tie that into this Kindle story that I got later on, because I guess they dropped the price of that thing again. And it's still too much. I'm still not going to buy it. It's $300 now. But if they drop that What to, are you waiting it for? Or waiting, like, what price would you pay? I think if they drop... I think you'd pay 200 I would pay 200 If they drop... If that Kindle goes to 199 uh, which psychologically it, was, it, it, it makes some big difference to me. It's like I won't pay two hundred, but I'll pay one ninety nine. If the Kindle goes to two hundred bucks, though, I'll probably I'll buy that. Um, although I think at that point you still got to subscribe to stuff. I mean, in other words, I don't think a lot of a lot of the content you still got to pay for. It's kind of like an iPod in that regard. But it's I think it's three hundred now, and I think it's still a hundred bucks too much for me. But and I think the New York Times would be available in that. See, that would be that would work for me. But uh, I just I just don't know. I, I think the the idea that you're going to be able to get a whole generation of people to start paying for something that they've grown up getting for free that uh, that seems to be flawed thinking. But that's just my assessment. 
Uh, all right, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, will join us. Uh, Aaron Duran will be here at 730 to review Bruno and Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. Thank you for joining us. Uh, coming up at 6.20, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will have the latest on the Michael Jackson case. Uh, at 7.30, Aaron Duran will be here to review Bruno, the new movie starring uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Here's the other thing about Bruno. I hate to, I keep going back to this. The thing about Bruno is, and this is just based, I, I mean, I haven't seen like a screening of it. I haven't seen, I mean, all I know is... It's under an hour and a half. It's, what is it, did you say 79 minutes, 88 minutes, something like that? Mm. Um, God, what did I see not too long ago that was that, was that short? I saw something in the theater. Animated films are sometimes like this. Where yes. an, you see an animated film and it's like 85 minutes. Because the thing with an animated film is, A, it just costs so much to make per minute. I mean, especially if it's high-quality animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one, it's one thing if you should get some sort of like sweatshop uh, you know, drawing factory to, to like crank it Simpsons. out. Like The Simpsons. Yes. Well, The Simpsons, I think The Simpsons is all, is it The Simpsons that's drawn in Korea? I believe so. And you can just sort of picture a guy sort of walking along with a cat of nine to draw faster! Uh, but... Um, if it's going to be any sort of high-quality animation, it just it costs an incredible amount. I think they were saying that King of the Hill, which was the last contemporary full-length animated series to be drawn by hand, I think they said a King of the Hill episode took nine months to make, from inception to completion. Um, and also the thing about animation is that if they screw something up, there's no, like, reshooting it. Like, you can't go do, do a pickup take. Like, it's just gone. If something doesn't work, you just got to cut it out. I think Patton Oswalt talked about that, about how he, because he done, he's done a lot of voice work, and he was the voice of, um, what's his name, the, the lead character in Ratatouille. And he talked about how it, bringing, he, he would be brought in by these people who would make an animated film to punch it up. And they'd say, well, the animated film isn't quite funny enough. It's not really working. Can you, uh, can you write some punch-up material? And punch-up material is when you, you, know, you create some additional jokes that they will go back and reshoot to put into a comedy that's testing not very well. And he pointed out with animation, there's really no way to punch it up because you can't create additional work. I mean, once the film is done, it's done. And so in animation, all of the additional jokes that he would write would just have to be things that were shouted from off-camera by some other character. Um, but so Bruno seems to be really short. And based on what I've seen... I'm not saying it's staged. I'm just saying it seems to be much less... Uh, it's a long trailer. Well, it seems to be much less legitimate than that than Borat. I mean, the thing about Borat is you got the sense that a lot of that had actually, you know, had actually taken place. Like, he had, you know, he'd sort of pulled the wool over people's eyes in many situations. Although I think the Pam Anderson thing... I remember watching Borat when that sequence where he goes... Was he puts her in a marriage bag or something? Like Pam Anderson is signing books at like a Borders, and Borat shows up and he said, "Look over there!" and he shoves her into the bag and drags her away, which was hilarious. But but you also get the feeling that like she that was I so thought he strange. tried to, but he didn't. No, didn't he shove her into the bag and drag he, her away? He, no, no, she ran into the parking lot. All right, and what appeared to be fake about that is how did she manage 
to run so far away without anybody following her closely. Right, right. And so I remember I watching Pam Anderson, regardless of whether you like her or not, she must have her people. And I, so you know, person. So that was the thing that jumped off the screen to me as being fake. And I, which, which is fine. I mean, you know, she's. I mean, I figured that he was in on it and she was in on it, and maybe nobody else. Although. You got to imagine that maybe the people at the store had to be in on it because otherwise there's going to be some security guard that's just going to tase him. Mm-hmm. So I had my suspicions about about Borat, but looking at the the Bruno film, here's the here's the thing that I find kind of puzzling is there's a sequence in Bruno that apparently takes place on, you know, it's like a daytime talk show, but it's a daytime talk show hosted by a guy named Richard Bay. You may not remember who Richard Bay is and that's cuz he retired like 15 years ago. His show hasn't been on anywhere since about 1993. So I'm I'm just sensing a little bit of flim flammery, but maybe that's just me being. The cynical. general public isn't smart enough to question such oh, things. No, they're not. Are you sure he's not like New Jersey or something? I I guess it's possible. Good, he, Good he, morning, Erie, or something. Well, he might do like just maybe just a Chicago show because he was out of Chicago, I think, just as Oprah was. But I'm fairly sure that Richard Bay sort of retired from doing that program altogether. So again, maybe it's a thing where like, you know, where, where Sasha Cohen's in on it and Richard Bay's in on it, but the audience isn't. Uh, who's to say? All right, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. 546. Good morning. It's going to be a mostly sunny weekend. Highs of the mid-80s. That inn that was featured in the Twilight film is for sale. The Viewpoint Inn. Now, this is, uh, let's see, it's about 22 miles from downtown Portland in the city of Corvette. The people who own it now acquired the inn in 2006. In 2008, the prom scene from Twilight was filmed there. That place is so cool looking. But you can buy it for a million. It needs a million dollars in repairs. <laughs> so if you have that kind of money sitting around, do so. Anyway, uh, yesterday, they closed down the West train that runs from the suburbs, I guess, Wilsonville to Beaverton, because a truck got jammed underneath the bridge, damaging the track. And, and they said, stupid truck driver. Actually, it wasn't his fault. Well, for those of us who follow the GPS instructions blindly... That would be me. These things can happen. Apparently, the GPS didn't tell the truck that he couldn't fit underneath the bridge. <laughs> well, the thing about the GPS is it has no sense of altitude. That's the thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. It, it, it very, there are times when it doesn't know... I don't know if this happens to you, but have you ever done, have you done this? And see, and I have the very first generation of TomTom. It is like with, with like with the TiVos. The minute it came out of the market, uh, you know, I got it. It is the very first one off the assembly line. So it's all huge and clunky, and you know, it still works. So which is why I haven't replaced it because I'm a cheap bastard. The thing about my TomTom, which is the, the the GPS that I use, is that if I am underneath uh, a section of the freeway, and this really only happens in Seattle, if I'm in Seattle, like downtown. If I am on a city street that runs parallel to, like, say, the I-5 or something, if I'm directly underneath it, occasionally the GPS can't tell where I am. It doesn't know if I'm on the city street or if I'm on the I-5. And you feel kind of bad for it because it so desperately tries to help you, but it's just freaking out. And it's updating every 30 seconds trying to get new information, and it can't quite tell what the hell is going on. Did you know that semis are typically 13 feet and 6 inches tall? And this bridge was... 12 feet, 6 inches. Uh. So, you know, he peeled the top of the truck off like a grape. And uh, the driver was just following directions from the GPS device in the truck. It was the first time he ever took the new route. So I wonder who has to pay for that. Oh, that is a good question. I mean, if he has insurance, mm-hmm. that's actually, that's an interesting question. So I, th- does the bridge, presumably, he's a truck driver, so presumably he knows how tall his truck is, right? Yes. Okay, does the bridge, it, it, was the bridge labeled? Was the, does the bridge that's have the question. height on it? 
Because if he's a tra- if he's a responsible, and I I don't know any of the other facts of the story apart from what you said, it, it does not say whether or not it was labeled. So I would imagine. I mean, a, a truck driver is probably those big rig drivers are the safest drivers on the road. So perhaps yeah, they've got it was be. not indicated. So I wonder if the bridge just didn't say how high it was, and then he hit it through no fault of his own. Then you got to wonder: Well, is it the city that pays for that? Is it him? Is it? I'm not suggesting. Maybe some rascal stole the sign and cash it in. <laughs> Right next to the in his shopping cart, right next to the Clackamas signs, some, mm-hmm. some wire that a guy uh, found hooked up to a high voltage line. That's one of those, and I'm not saying he should do this, but in our litigious society, mm-hmm. that's one of those places where you see the GPS company getting sued uh, because he just followed it right into the side of a wall or something. All right, here's a, oh, you know, and let me ask you this: mm-hmm. when you go underneath one of those bridges uh, and you're in a vehicle that is not your own, in other words, if you are renting a, a truck or something, or God help you, you're driving a U-Haul. Do you always just assume that you're going to hit whatever it is you're driving under? I mean, regardless of whether you logically know you have enough space or not, do you just sort of brace yourself for the impact regardless? No, because I always hurt the, the Chevy Cobalt. I never let them tuck me into getting anything bigger. <laughs> no, see, but I've had to drive. But you're in Los Angeles. I still want a Chevy Cobalt. But, if, but you had to drive. Like, I mean, it's been a long time since I've had to drive a station uh, vehicle anywhere. But I think the last time, I'm trying to remember the last time I drove a U-Haul. I think Laura and I helped somebody move. And I had to drive on one of the moving trucks or something. And it was, and it's, it's like I had to go into like the, the, I don't know, like the garage of the apartment where they were moving. Anyways, but I had to drive this, this truck into a parking garage or underneath some sort of cement structure. And I mean, I think I actually went so far as to get out and look and to make sure that I was going to be able to clear it, which I was. But still, as soon as I get to underneath the thing, I just brace myself for the impact because I just, my brain just says, no, 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 turn around. And I just, and I just become terrified that I'm going to drive right into the thing. It just becomes altogether unnerving. It would be especially awful if you were in a station van and tried to drive it into a parking garage. Especially if you were drunk. What? You just get a better job afterwards anyway. That's what happens, Tim, and then you're <laughs> never fired, ever. What? Mm-mm. Here's Tim Riley at the uh, news desk. So now the AIG is asking the government to approve more bonuses. Maybe they came under uh, scrutiny from everyone last time. Well, now that it's died down, it's time to do it again. Uh, the company isn't required to get the government's blessing because the payments are actually for 2008 employment contracts. But, uh, well, we bailed them out for $700 billion. When are we going to see any of that money come back? Never. Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. Right. So it's uh, it, socialism is okay, unless it's for you. One. That's, uh, uh, let's, uh, before we, uh, before we uh, move ahead to uh, other things of this nature. Wait, what, I'm, I'm mangling the quote. What is that thing that Schwarzenegger says? And other things of that nature. Uh, there's something. There's some. There's some Schwarzenegger quote that I'm trying to go for there, and it's not working. You will be p- paid with IOU. Uh, no, that, that's this week. That, that was not for a moment. You will go on furlough. Hello, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson uh, program, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Who's this? Travis. Hello, Travis. How are you today? Pretty good. Uh, so you got. So wait, you go underneath this bridge, or you go by the bridge that got hit? Um. Yeah. So is the is the height to the best of your knowledge is the height on there? Oh yeah. So if it's so if if the height is on the side of the bridge and presumably the truck driver would know how tall his vehicle is, I wonder if maybe it was a situation where he was unfamiliar with the route and therefore was you know maybe watching the GPS didn't uh, have time to, to sort of take in all the appropriate information. Have you seen the bridge since he since he drove into it? No, I haven't. So uh, if you go by that bridge, are you going to go by it at some point today? Uh, I can after work, but I I don't have time to swing back and go under it now. The next time you get a chance, so maybe like uh, call us early next week or something, because I'd be curious to know what kind of damage he he does. Because is, is this? It said he didn't damage the bridge. Oh wait, so the bridge is fine. So it was actually yeah. so it was just his truck. Uh-huh. Well, that's actually sort of comforting in a way because this is the bridge that the tr- that the train goes over, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want right, to think. And, go ahead. And it's a wooden bridge. You know, it's it's one of those dark wooden trestles. 
And so if he uh, drove it w- it into it with his truck at any sort of a reasonable uh, at a reasonable speed, you would assume the bridge would get uh, messed up. So it's kind of comforting that it didn't, because you don't want to think about a train going over some rickety wooden bridge. That's unnerving. All right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good day. Thank you. You as well, sir. All right, that is uh, Travis. No, here's something else you're going to dislike. Well, I'll save it for later. All right. Straight ahead, we have uh, more news from Tim Riley. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum be uh, joining us at 620. Uh, coming up at 730, Aaron Duran reviews the movie Bruno. And in the 8 o'clock hour, Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer will join us, ladies and gentlemen. We are live from beautiful downtown of Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. That is the telephone number for this, the Rick Emerson Show, broadcasting here on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Friday morning. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. Later on today, uh, we will be giving away a pair. I think maybe the final pair for this week, but maybe not. We might try to do uh, two of these. Uh, tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is next Monday. That screens next Monday night, the 13th. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Right, we were just talking about, inexplicably, we were just talking about Carol Burnett during the break, turning back the hands of time. So I think you might be misreading that when it says that she's coming to town to perform, Sarah. Where is that from? No, no, no. She's playing at the uh, she's at the Portland Center stage or whatever it is. Is she performing or is it just sort of like an evening with, like a Press Q&A? Release, Carol Burnett. Bump up the lights for an evening of laughter and reflection with Carol Burnett. Uh, let's see. It comes to the Portland Center for the Performing Arts September 29th at 7.30 p.m. So I was saying about Carol Burnett. I, this is this is the part where I play directly to the male 18 to 34 demographic. So, Carol Burnett, uh, I was just saying that I, she seems like a very nice person. She's, you know, a trailblazer, groundbreaking, the same way that Lucille Ball was Holy in some ways. Holy crap, the tickets are $90. Well, but, $90. But, but, but that's because, here's the thing, because as, the ticket price goes up. $90. It is, it's $90. inversely proportional to the odds that they're going to be touring again. That's the thing. Or their age. Well, but that's what I mean. He's just like the closer, the, with every uh, tour that happens, it increases the likelihood that it's going to be their last tour for whatever reason. Sometimes it's because the lead singer keeps shooting heroin into his spine. Sometimes it's just because the performer's a thousand years old. So as the likelihood... that someone's shooting heroin into Carol Burnett's spine? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I'm not. And um, her veins were flattened. <laughs> Hey, Carol Burnett truly represents the heart of comedy and appeals to every age group. See, that's the thing. It's, uh, it, like I feel, I feel like a jerk for not finding her funny. I know that I'm supposed to. Now, she, I've seen her interview when she's, you know, when she's just uh, she was talking. Rad in Annie. Uh, uh, she's a great actress. She's a, she is a funny person. I'll put it this way. She's a funny person. She's a great actress. She's talented. She's hardworking. You know, obviously, and again, broke down a lot of sort of the barriers for women in comedy, etc. And it, and without Carol, Carol Burnett, there would be no mama's family. So I just don't find Carol Burnett's comedy to be funny. Like watching the Carol Burnett show it, it, then and now. And it's not a thing like I found it funny as a kid and now I don't see the appeal of it. Uh, or I didn't like it as a kid, but now I can see what all the fuss was about. Didn't find it funny then, don't find it funny now. And I, which makes me feel like a bad person. There are certain things that everybody else, do you do this? No, it's bland enough not to force you to change your channel. That's, see, that's the deal. Is it, it's completely, here's the, the, the thing with Carol Burnett's comedy. I say ruining any chance that she'll come on the show. Uh, is that her comedy's just sort of toothless. That's, that's my thing. Is that there's just no, there's no bite to it at all. There's a lot of things actually that people will find funny 
that I here's another thing I don't find funny, and I know that, and this this makes me a bad not only does this make me a bad American, this makes me a bad suburban white kid. I don't find Cheech and Chong funny, and never did. I never, ever, ever, ever found Cheech and Chong amusing at all. Well, I you're know not part of that culture. No, I'm no or I'm, lack of culture for <laughs> for whatever reason. And you, I'm being generous. You mean that I'm employed? Is that the problem? Yes, they could be. I'm employed, and I made it past the twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, I didn't make it past the twelfth grade. I mean, I guess I'm alive, uh, but I, I think you didn't I didn't graduate high school. Uh, no, I did. I guess okay. I'm saying is I, I was trying to make the funny thing there is that I was actually trying to make a joke and then it sort of imploded. That's my instant karma for saying that I don't like Cheech and Chong. But I think that I think that's maybe the deal. I think that it, 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 because I was just too much of a nerd in high school to hang out with like the cool dirtbag kids, I was with the uncool dirtbag kids. So rather than just uh, sitting over in the parking lot huffing paint thinner and listening to Molly Hatchet records, I was just sort of sitting at home reading an encyclopedia and crying to myself. Good for you. I couldn't be bothered with kids alone. At all. They were just too childish for me. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to grow up and be a curmudgeon. Um, so, but you're right, Tim. I think because, I, uh, because I'm just too lame, I think that's why I never found Cheech and Chong funny. Although, like, right out of the gate, I remember when I was, I don't know, probably 11 hearing um, a George Carlin record. And this is before Carlin kind of had his resurgence even. This is before he kind of got real mean and nasty even. Because he got a lot bleaker and darker as his career went on. He was still uh, very whimsical uh, when I discovered him, which had been like, I don't know, maybe the early 80s. I remember listening to George Carlin, though, when I was about 10 or 11 and just thinking, this is the best thing I have ever heard in my life. Because it was so... It was so razor sharp and just so hyper literate. Um, and then there was like a series of discovery. And I was a huge uh, fan of Bill Cosby. I was a huge fan of Bob Newhart, uh, I say, unsurprisingly. And then I heard Sam Kinison. And when I heard Sam Kinison, and Sam Kinison, here's a thing that's, that's sort of heretical to say, but Sam Kinison records actually don't date that well in some ways. Sam Kinison records sound a little, they sound very much of their time. You listen to them now. Still a funny guy. Uh, but I think if you were to discover Sam Kinison records now, they would not sound nearly as funny as they did then because so much of the culture sounds like Sam Kinison now because he's changed. Sam Kinison changed things so much um, that now he doesn't stand out uh, the way that he did. But um, maybe he'd be hosting some lame game show by now. Uh, it, well, that's see, and I hate to say this, but it's probably just as well that Sam's no longer with us. He was uh, he was not meant uh, to live very long in this world. Boy, you know what I have at home? Actually, I have uh, stash in one of my boxes of radio crap. I have the. Associated Press Wire printout announcing that Sam Kinison had died. He said, urgent, Sam Kinison has been killed in a car accident. I have that. But I heard Sam Kinison, and that just, like, blew the doors off my mind. It was just, it was one of the greatest things. And there was a one-two punch, actually. Within a few years, I heard Sam Kinison, and I heard Henry Rollins do his spoken word. And Henry Rollins and Sam Kinison, which are an odd sort of pairing, merged in my head. And a lot of my sort of delivery and timing sensibilities comes from half Kinison, half Rollins, with sort of the sprinkling of George Carlin. But like the Cheech and Chong thing, I just I just don't get stoner humor. I think that's what it is. I think stoner humor doesn't resonate with me. Pot humor, and this is why I don't like the Big Lebowski, which again is another thing that just that makes me a pariah, especially uh, in Portland, uh, because. I don't think because whether or not they ever actually show that guy hunched over a graphics bong somewhere. I mean, I mean that character in the Big Lebowski, Bridges' character, is very clearly a pothead. I mean, that's the thing. He's just he's just a stoner. And I think stoner humor, a little bit, a bit of that just goes goes a very, very long way with me. But because we're a big tent, I'll read texts like this one. Uh, at 52051, we have this. Cheech and Chong are hilarious. The Simpsons are not funny. All right. See? We welcome all viewpoints This here. one person's opinion. That's right, Tim, and it's wrong. Uh, what headlines are we following on this Friday? Well, I'll tell you. 
A Texas boy calls 911 after his mom is struck by lightning while standing in her kitchen. A man is gored to death at the running of the bulls because awesome. he asked for it. Yeah, he did. A bedbug sniffing dog has been hired by the Milwaukee Housing Authority. A bedbug sniffing dog. Oh, so you've got the um, so you've got the Pamplona uh, goring thing. Yep. All right. Do you have this? Uh... And you know they always say every year that it it was spoken of in Ernest, Ernest Hemingway's book that nobody ever read that running of the bulls. Right. Thing. Right. Do you know anyone who's ever read that book? I don't even know which book we're talking about. Neither do I. I mean, is that a thing that he wrote about, or is it a thing he just did? In other words, is that has he, that he was, wrote about it? Was it immortalized in one of his many novels that I've never read? Yes. Here's he the old, here's the only Hemingway I've ever read. I and I read it because it's the shortest one. I read The Old Man in the Sea. That's it. And I, and it was because it was like a hundred pages, and I could read it in a day, and then I could go. Well, you know, I was reading Hemingway the other day. I'm going to tell you right now that's it the makes o- you sound smarter. It is the that's exactly that is the only reason I ever read The Old Man in the Sea because I could read it very quickly, and I was then I was. Able able to sort of reference it as a Hemingway novel. They'll, they'll change your residential address from southeast to northwest just for doing that. <laughs> do I get a discount at Whole Foods? Yes, you do. Uh, oh, and also we've got a story coming up here in just a few that contains the magic words Taser and Waffle House. All right. On the way, Steve, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, will join us. We'll also uh, talk to Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. He'll review Bruno and Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer coming up later on. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. <laughs> Visit KUFO.com right now. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Coming up in the next hour, 7.30, Aaron Geek in the City. Duran will be here to review Bruno, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, And uh, in the 8 o'clock hour at 8.20, to be specific, we'll be talking to Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley, what headlines are we tracking on this Friday morning? Well, a British school teacher goes crazy and tells his kids people are going to die as they run from the classroom. Are we sure the people weren't going to die if the kids had stayed? Did people actually die? People did not. Okay, good. Uh, AAA of Oregon will cover bike riders starting very soon. Fantastic. And uh, crazy bike people want to build a velodrome at Memorial Coliseum. What is a velodrome? Never mind. I don't even want it. A velodrome sounds like a sex thing. I don't know what that... Uh, I... It is not a sex thing. All right. Let's welcome that now. would be a big like a... sex thing if they wanted to build it inside <laughs> Memorial Coliseum. They'd like and to build a... attend? To build a pleasure dome. Uh, hello, Steve Kastenbaum, CNN Radio Correspondent from New York City. How's your morning? Doing well. Is a velodrome that, like, uh, that big sphere, that ball that the motorcycles at the circus ride around in upside down, go around in circles in? I don't know. That's way better than my other answer, which was going to be that it was going to be some uh, some new follow up single from Public Enemy. I uh, I have nothing. I don't know. Welcome to the Velodome. It doesn't really work though. Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Tim. What is a Velodome? Now we can't. It is a out. bicycle racing track made of wood. Ah, well, there you go. So it's apparently it's a it's a circle on which you can bicycle. Gotcha. How's life? How are things, my friend? Doing well. Uh, happy that it's Friday. I uh, I wanted to ask you. So, okay, so this we Jim Roop had, uh, of course, it had been following the Jackson thing, and I think by the time the end of let's see, it would have been Wednesday. So by the time we talked to him on Wednesday, which is the day after the Jackson Memorial, which already seems like it was about five years ago, I think he'd been awake for oh I don't know seven hundred hours or something without sleep, and as he put it, and now I got some family crap I have to go do, and. <laughs> 
And I sensed that he was just going to go find himself like a travel lodge room and just seal the door shut and just stay there uh, for about three months to sort of recuperate. So um, so I, I know that you, you are kind of covering some of the, the Jackson stuff. It, is the deal, have I got this headline correct, that the family has been told that they're not ruling out fair play in, in, in Jackson's death, that the cops have said that's still kind of on the table, or have I got that wrong somehow? Well, they're not ruling out anything at this point, but they're, they're saying it might have been, uh, it could have been uh, an accidental overdose. So in, in that regard, they would say that, uh, you know, it's really not foul play. So uh, it's really interesting. All the stuff from the past now is coming to light. And CNN obtained some confidential documents from 2004 that were from interviews with some of his staff members uh, leading up to the uh, child molestation trial. Right, right. And there's this one document from the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department that says uh, some, of, some of Jackson's employees claim he took 10 Xanax pills a night. That, uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Ten. I mean, it, there was that story that uh, that uh, that came out in, I guess, the Sun or something a couple weeks ago, where they listed on the front just all of the drugs that were supposedly in his system. Which I think the family immediately said was it wasn't true. They said it was part of that autopsy that they claim was wrong. But I think a it was immediately believable to all of us, and b it seems like piecemeal, like one one small small shred at a time. All the stuff in that autopsy report is actually being confirmed. It's, it's coming out that it was mostly true, and. Ten Xanax at a time is a lot, but it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, you just sort of assume that. I mean, look, the average American has a bunch of prescriptions for all kinds of crap. So you got to figure if you're not the average American, if you are, let's say, Michael Jackson. I mean, the ability to access that stuff and the the ease with which you can get doctors that'll just tell you whatever you want to take is okay is almost limitless. You know? Yeah, it really is. And and uh, you know, we heard the uh, dermatologist who's been all over the place, who was on Larry King Live a couple of nights ago talking about uh, Jackson's desire to get all these drugs and, and how he tried to uh, get Jackson to, to just drop the idea. Did you, did you hear the interview with Arnold Klein? I have a couple of clips. No, I did not. Yeah, he was talking about Diprovan, which is that sedative that everybody's talking about now that he may have been using uh, and something that needs an anesthesiologist to administer. And uh, I can't play the cut right is now. this a, like that? Wait, you Tim, know, is, this the, is this the guy that you had the sound from, actually, the kind of gruff, Wilford Brimley-sounding guy? Yeah. All right. Yeah, and he, because I guess the deal is you can't. Uh, and they say that it's hard to get, but that actually is understanding it because you can't get it. You can't even get it with a prescription. You can't get it. The only person who can have it, right, is an anesthesiologist. I mean, it's not a thing that I could just go and, and get my insurance company to like prescribe for me. Yeah, you know, the Dr. Klein said uh, if even if he had it, he wouldn't know how to administer it. I think I can play this now. Let me try right. it again. I told him it was absolutely insane. I said you have to understand that this drug you can't repeatedly take. Because what happens with narcotics, no matter what you do, you build a tolerance to them. So what he's saying is, you know, the, the more you take it, the more you're going to need each time. Uh, um, well, let's move on to something else that's, I was going to say, even less pleasant. It's really, it's just all varying degrees of unpleasantness today. What is the deal with General Motors now? Are they are they uh, more money from the government? Less, you know, no more money from the government. Are they being run solely and totally by the man at this point? Do they have any autonomy? What is uh, what is happening with them? You know, we could actually listen in to CEO Fritz Henderson. Emergence of bankruptcy. Uh, this is an important month. Key dates, including uh, exciting, right? Yeah, he's a but, real uh, barn burner. Yeah, uh, no, he's actually talking right now in a press conference, talking about how GM is going to emerge from bankruptcy a lot sooner than a lot of people expected here. But uh, it's not really a surprise because uh, we already knew that they had found buyers for Hummer, for Saab, and for Saturn, that they're going to dissolve Pontiac. 
that they're getting rid of uh, 20% of the management and a huge uh, portion of their salaried workforce. Uh, he said that uh, the new GM is going to focus on three things, customers, cars, and culture. What is it they were focusing Shouldn't on before? Be like, one? I mean, <laughs> okay, Should they start the very beginning? We're going two different ways. So, Tim, yes, Tim is pointing out that maybe they've got their list slightly out of order. And, I mean, if they're focusing on customers in cars now, were they focusing on, like, salads beforehand? What is it? Where were they? If I were to ask them six months ago, where are your priorities? Well, uh, let's see, uh, the music of Floyd Kramer. Closely followed by ice skating and then Hot Wheels uh, tracks from the 1970s. I mean, that doesn't sound, that sounds like one of two things. Either it's not true or it is true, in which case it seems like it should have been true before and it got them into this uh, trouble in the first place. So this doesn't really fill me with hope. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they really sound like they're cutting a lot of the executive positions and restructuring how the company is run. So. Here's the thing. You know what would satisfy Americans? I think this is, you know, a lot of getting rid of, you know, managers or reducing managers' salaries or wages. Americans don't want that. You know what Americans want? Americans want to see a guy from the top office go out there and have to work on the line with an air wrench somewhere, putting one part onto another for 40 hours a week till he dies. That's what Americans want. Uh, you know, they got, well, we're going to be eliminating these management positions. You know, eliminating a management position doesn't mean anything to anybody if the guy's got $9 skillion in the Bank. He's going to spend the rest of his days being tended to by Brazilian models who are freshly waxed. Mm. Uh, you know, what you want to do is you want to get all the managers and we say, look, your job is to take this spring and put it inside this box forever. Get to work. Yeah, that's it. That's kind of what he was saying at this news conference, that they're, they're focused, they're, they're, their number one goal is to be number one again uh, in the minds of consumers. Because so. right now they're number two. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Everson. All right. I'm sorry about that. Uh, big plans for your weekend, Steve? Um, what am I doing this weekend? I'm not even sure. Oh, you know what's going on? <laughs> That's a yes. Yeah, my, uh, it's, um, this is pretty exciting. I'd, I'd like to announce this on the radio. It's my, uh, wife's grandfather's 100th birthday. Excellent. Wow. 100. Excellent. Is he, uh, I mean, so, uh, this is, is this a thing where there's going to be some sort of a, um, is there going to be some sort of a large gathering? There, there will be a large gathering, uh, and they will be honoring his centennial. He is an erudite. So it should be rather interesting. Are you going to do that thing where you get get him on the microphone and go, please give us the secret to uh, to a long life, sir? And then he says something like, I eat pounds of bacon. Yes, pretty much. Awesome. He does, he does uh, have a cocktail every day, so that might be the secret. Actually, there you go. It's nothing but booze and the cigarettes, kid. That's the that's the secret to a long and healthy life. He doesn't over he doesn't overdo it. He has like one vodka cocktail uh, pretty much every day, and and he says that he pretty much has. Uh, you know, uh, stewed himself, more or less. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I preserved myself early on with uh, large amounts of whiskey and, uh, and uh, you know, something. I was going to make a Twinkie reference there, but I don't know an ingredient in Twinkies that I could uh, that I could reference for comedic effect. Have a good weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. Take there care. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Right, there you go. Excellent. All right. Tim Riley, are we uh, preparing more news for the good people of Portland? Especially the story of 72-year-old Morgan Freeman, who's marrying his 27-year-old step-granddaughter. Good for him. Wait, what? No. Bad. Bad. Or not. How am I supposed to feel about this, Sarah? I think bad. Bad, Morgan it's, Freeman. Well, it's creepy if you see the picture. At a Chicago graveyard, digging up dead bodies, stacking them in a warehouse, and reselling those plots. They're, they've been caught. 
Okay. And lightning strikes a Texas mom. So we've got a taser watch on the way, grave watch on the way, ooh, and a really satisfying Darwin watch on the way where somebody gets what he richly deserves. That's all uh, straight ahead. Aaron Duran coming up next hour to review the movie Bruno. And at 820 today, Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Welcome to my room. RickEmerson.com Do it now. You know, in that soundbite, you don't even sound human. You sound like a gelatinous (laughs) alien of some kind. (laughs) It's my favorite one. Or Zoidberg when he's kind of, you know... The sandwich heavy portfolio pays off again. Speaking of sandwiches, Alec Baldwin was spotted eating a turkey sandwich, according to page six. Is this breaking news? Wait, is oh, the news that... like in town? Yeah. In general? Uh-huh. <laughs> is it actually news that Alec Baldwin eats? I mean, take a good look at that guy. He doesn't seem like he's... Mis- he is eating... Uh, sometimes you'll hear that phrase uh, euphemistically. That guy really ate my lunch. That's not euphemistically. He, Alec Baldwin will eat your lunch and drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I just ate a hot dog bun. And your Twinkie. What? I just ate a hot dog bun. By itself? Please tell <laughs> well, me it was toasted at yes. least. No. Well, she had to because I threw the last hot dog away. Somebody left a hot dog in the co- on the counter overnight, and nothing grosses me out more at 3 o'clock in the morning to see a hot dog on the counter. <laughs> was, like, was it cooked at least? No, it was not. It was sitting on a counter Ugh. at 3 o'clock in the morning. rolling around there. I mean, was it too much work for someone here to put that hot dog in the refrigerator? Sarah <laughs> Dylan. No, no, that was totally me. No, it wasn't you. No, it was completely Sarah. Those are her hot dogs. I left them there. But you know what? That's because all the small children, like I kept making hot dogs for you. And they kept all stealing the them. Children. And the small children what kept small taking children them. Are in here? Okay, we should, we should back up. So yesterday I we had... there were small children in We here. had... They follow Sarah around everywhere as though she were the Pied Piper. We uh, we had competitive eater Joey Chestnut here yesterday. And we work with a guy whose kids are big fans of Joey Chestnut. And they wanted to come uh, down and meet him and get his autograph. And he's he's really great with fans. And he brings pictures and he signs stuff. And he signs Sarah's hot diggity dogger, which is fantastic. Um, so... So these kids are sort of waiting in the kind of kitchen slash green room, the Art Alexakis green kitchen, we call it. And they were singing We Are the World, waiting for hot dogs. <laughs> they were sort of lingering about waiting for a Joey Chestnut to be done here so he could go back and kind of get pictures with him or whatever. And we started cooking hot dogs in the studio, but then Sarah dropped a piece of bun into the heating element and it caught on fire and the studio was filling with thick, acrid smoke. I remember that. So I was afraid that the little, <laughs> yeah, the little uh, spray water things from the ceiling, the little f- sprinklers were going to go on. So we moved it into the kitchen. And so Sarah was creating hot dogs, but as fast as she would make them, sort of like Lucy with the chocolate line, the kids would just consume them. I, I missed that whole thing. Yeah, the oh, kids no. were just... I didn't want to say anything because they were really cute, but I'm like, okay, so I'd make them, I'd go into the kitchen, then I see like this small child like shoving a hot dog in her face. I'm like, oh. Thanks for the hot dog. <laughs> Did Gone. they borrow these children from somewhere? Do they, they come out here on their own? Novelty children. Oh. They're, they're stunt children. All right. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. So I threw the hot dog away. Good morning, everyone. It is 645. It's going to be mostly sunny all weekend. High temperatures in the mid-80s. Hey, this is kind of novel. AAA is now offering bicycle roadside assistance for its members in Oregon and Idaho. Under this new bicycle coverage, the first of its kind, it would offer roadside assistance to bicyclists if their bike is disabled or inoperable. I mean... I think one out of two people have bike problems unless they have a nice bike. Wait, wait, so, so this would go, so like, if you have, are you in a 25-mile radius, 
they'll they'll take you anywhere within a 25 mile radius. If and you're an existing, you if you have AAA, this will just be included with your AAA service. Yeah, let's see here. It sounds a little incomplete. Uh, uh, currently, the plan is only for AAA plus members. All right, so I, you have to have AAA plus. I have to, and we'll see. And I speak now as one of those. Uh, I let my I let my AAA lapse, and I actually I really regret that. I uh, you should. That, that's a Doing thing. A morning show. <laughs> I've got to get to work because I will tell you that when I uh, when I had triple um, uh, I think I only used it maybe twice maybe but man I oh, have but to that's not you, the reason to get rid of it no 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 that no that's the thing it, it, the thing is it just laps and I'm totally in that you know what it is letting your triple lapse is sort of like you know it is that whole thing of uh, well my teeth are fine I guess I don't need to make that dental uh, insurance payment right now because then of course you're going to wake up and there's going to be some huge gangrenous hole in your mouth that you got to get fixed the thing about triple is you will cancel your triple and you will get a flat tire 5 minutes yes. after the case so you know I'm going to make a note to myself right now triple I'm going to put I'm writing it on my hand because I don't have my day planner here triple A I'm going to get that taken care of when I get home uh, because, because you're right. Because th- that's the thing is, I'm going to be halfway between my house and here, and my car is just going to the wheels are all going to fall off at once, and then I'm going to yes. I'm going to rue the fact that I didn't do it. By the way, um, two things: uh, text messages at five two zero five one. One of them says, "Small children uh, better start disinfecting again." Followed by this one: Alec Baldwin is a purported vegetarian. That's why it's news that he was eating a turkey sandwich. That guy's not a vegetarian. Take a good long look at that oh, guy. Oh, no, no, no. That guy, he eats a lot of beef. That wow. guy, he just is, sits around like Hagar the Horrible, just eating the, the huge, the winged uh, the creatures for breakfast, lunch, Do and dinner. Do you pronounce it Hagar? In my head, it was always Hagar. Tim? The comic strip featuring the Viking. Hagar. Hagar? See, that's what I would say, like Hagar Slacks. Okay. All right. Tim Riley has uh, more news for you. Here's something that'll make you very happy, and I hope you're listening. Is it a death of some kind? No. Okay. If you liked uh, John Hedder in Napoleon Dynamite, get ready to see much more of him on the television. Comedy Central has signed him up to do a sitcom for next year. It'll be broadcast. It's a new scripted half-hour series to star Mr. Hedder. The show's producers include Will Farrow and Adam McKay. The team who brought you the legend of Ron Burgundy. Well, here's the thing about that. They, they could order 90 more if it's successful. 90, 90 more. more. Will you please give me 90 more episodes of this new John? Is it Header or Hederer? Header. H-E-D-E-R. Okay, so I don't Hedder. think it's Heater. It looks like it's Heater. Heater? Header? Header. Greg Heater. Nibbler? Heater? Okay, Nibbler like thinks Heater it's... Hopper. It's, it's, <laughs> Heater Hopper. Heater <laughs> Hopper. Wow, I'll take... That's a half of 1% joke. It really um, is. Give me 90 episodes of the new John Heater series. Stat. The thing you about them up lo- out like Sarah Dillon hot dogs. Here's the thing that sucks about that story, though, is because it's being produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, who mm. kind of have a golden touch. I mean, they, they, I, uh, there's there's I, those guys have done almost nothing. That's not good. And I never I never saw Land of the Lost. Uh, the word is that it was apparently terrible. And I wasn't really planning to see it uh, anyway. And then the reviews did not did not help that. I'll see that when it floats by me on HBO at some point. But those guys. They have a pretty sterling track record. I think if you were to take a look at Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, and not just the stuff that they do that like Will Ferrell is in, but if you look at like um, you know the most obvious example is Eastbound and Down, and I think they actually, and I'm pretty sure they produced Observe and Report too. I could be wrong about that. They might not have because I think, I think if. I think if they had produced Observe and Report, that would have been more prominently used in the advertising when that movie started to tank after the first weekend. Because Observe and Report had one real strong opening weekend, and then it just went in the toilet. Because everybody kind of figured out that it wasn't a wacky new comedy featuring the stoner guy from Pineapple Express. 
so I think they would have mentioned that more prominently, but they did do Eastbound and Down, which is just one of the best things I've ever seen on television. I mean, it's so good that it almost seems like it. I mean, and it's on HBO, which is, which is, you can, you can tell that it's quality because none of the other networks would actually go near it. So that's kind of the good news, bad news that I might have to watch it if those guys are attached with it. But then it stars the jackass from Napoleon Dynamite, which is the worst thing. Is that that's the ever... way they're promoting it? That is no, because that even that, well, you know that's how they're promoting it. Because what has that guy done since then? He did um, Blaze of Glory. No, and he and he also did Just Like Heaven with Reese Witherspoon. Let's not forget that. And every time in the trailer for Just Like Heaven, they would only show two things. They would show Reese Witherspoon looking sad and or pretty. Uh, and or confused, or they would show that guy, that John Heater guy, sitting sort of Michael Cera style with his mouth open. They would just show him sitting on a couch going, well, I don't know. And they would take some completely out-of-context uh, snippet from the film that kind of looked like he was doing the Napoleon Dynamite thing, and they would put that in the trailer because he looks so unlike Napoleon Dynamite in real life. I remember I saw him on... Um, uh, Dinner for Five, which is that that uh, show where it's like um, John Favreau, and then he'll get like four actors would be like John Favreau, and he goes to dinner with like Rob Zombie, like John Heater, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese, and Corey Feldman, or whatever. And it's like him and like four Hollywood types, and they all go out to dinner, and then they film it, and they show it on TV. And the John Heater guy, he's kind of—I mean, he's, he's sort of. Here's the thing about John Heater. You know what he looks like? John Heater looks like Sarah Dillon's next boyfriend. That's what he looks like, like in real life. Oh. No, seriously. Okay. If you were to see, if you see him in real life, not not as Napoleon Dynamite, but if you were to see him, Napoleon Dynamite crawling in through your window, <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> um, um, I understand that you needed um, uh, something trite. I'm oh, we here. never, we never did go into that story from last week either. We've got to tell that at some point. Oh, I know the story you're yeah. talking about too. Uh, in any event. But I saw him on on uh, Dinner for Five, and he, you know he seems like a pretty funny, well-adjusted, normal, good-looking guy. You know, why would do, I be dating him? Uh, because he looks like a guy you date. He looks like a hipster. Okay. He looks like a guy who he looks like what uh, my wife would call one of them skinny panted rock singers. Um, you Lady know, and he, pants? with like the, yeah, with like the shag sort of haircut, and you know, and kind of uh, you know, kind of um, what is the word? Uh, not not slender, but that lanky. He's got a lanky physique, which you kind of go for. So, but I, the thing is, I just, I know you're supposed to separate the artist from the art, uh, or as Sam Donovan would say, the stuff from the stuff, but I just can't get past Napoleon Dynamite. It's just the worst thing that's ever been put on film. If I could invent a time machine and just go back in history and just smother in the crib everybody uh, <laughs> who is responsible for that film. I hate that movie so much, too. It kills me inside. Whenever I see anyone who owns it, it just it makes me want to cry. Oh no, that's it, and it makes me lose respect for them. No, I, I, and I that's am with you breaker. on that. It's, it's a deal breaker. It's I, I absolutely understand. So if you, if, so if you were to go over to some gentleman caller's house, oh, no, I went to a gentleman caller's house and he had it, and I was not in. Was it? Sit, what, please tell me, it was sitting on top of the TV like he just watched it? No, it was in there with a bunch of other movies. I'm like, oh, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, blah, blah blah. I'm like going through all of his movies, and then I saw them. Like, oh. Oh, after yeah. this wine tasting, would you like to view a recent motion picture? <laughs> I've uh, I've got a work of rare and sublime comedy set aside, my love. Shall we watch it uh, tonight while snuggled? After I take up my smoking jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Let me gently massage your toes while we watch Napoleon Dynamite. I've got the extended director's cut. It's 45 minutes longer. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. If you see that is, I'm trying to think of some What's another deal breaker movie. I'm trying to think. Well, see, I'm trying to think of a musical equivalent. Uh, like when you see somebody listening to blank, and you kind of go, "Well, that's it. I can no longer, I can no longer associate with you in any way." Anthony Kiedis. 
No, we love Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> I was just joking. What are you, are you speaking theoretically? <laughs> yes. What are you, you saying? Say, Tim? for instance, if there was something that he did. <laughs> Microphone that I, on. Are you? <laughs> are you saying if he had a side project? Correct. Not his normal. Uh, not his normal right. day that, job. That, that wasn't up to his normal quality. <laughs> because you uh, you celebrate uh, most of his catalog. catalog. That's correct. I have many pinup pictures in my office. <laughs> Why do you ask? Hey, look at the time. Coming up next hour. Did you hear about the people are robbing graves in Chicago? Or should I save it for later? uh, Coming up after the break, we'll do a grave watch. We've got a taser watch on the way. Darwin watch uh, also coming up this morning. Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com will be here to talk about Bruno. uh, And Aerosmith's Joey Kramer in the 8 o'clock hour. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland! Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Coming up this hour, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will be here to review the new movie Bruno, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, Joey Kramer from Aerosmith joining us at 820 as well. Still to come, we have a uh, Taser watch on the way, Darwin watch on the way, and uh, your shot at a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's, uh, at this juncture, take caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503 503- 228-4101. If you are caller 10, you get a shot at tickets to see KUFO's premiere of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which greens next Monday, July 13th, ladies and gentlemen. In the meantime, in between time, here is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Hello again, 705. It's going to be partly sunny all weekend. Highs in the mid-80s. A dope who tried to rob the speedy market at 79th and Gleason could have been beaten with a Louisville slugger. He pulls an app on the owner, Dan Kim, and says, oh, yeah? He grabs a bat and says, get out. He did. The freighting uh, robber runs for his life, but did manage to get off with that uh, 200 bucks. He is still on the loose. He is described as 16 to 18 years old, 5 foot 10 with a slim build. If you know of anyone matching that description, please contact the authorities. Where was this at? Where did he, what did he try to rob? This is at the, uh, the Speedy Market, 79th and Gleason. 79th and Gleason. Uh, it got to be southeast. It doesn't say what they're right. I suppose, I mean, wouldn't you just assume if you go to rob any place in southeast, there's the odds are about one in three. The guy behind the counter has something that could cause grievous oh, bodily so, damage to you. 79th mm-hmm. and Gleason. Oh, I was thinking that that was near um, Gen X clothing, but it wasn't. No, no, no. You're thinking of 70, uh, you're thinking 70 uh, something in Powell, 82nd in Powell. 82nd or whatever. Powell. Is that 82nd? Here's, you know they're what right I get? next to the joint KFC slash like Taco Bell or whatever it is. Okay, let me ask you this. When you see one of those joint KFC, uh, I think that's a, that's a KFC A&W. Uh, A&W, yep. Do you? Uh, here's the thing about that. It, I immediately think of Nerds Candy, where they were just jamming the two different flavors of candy into the box with the, like the paper divider down the middle, which then begat Nerds cereal, uh, of course. So I also immediately think about this. Does A and W still do? See, now I'm becoming the Grandpa Simpson onion on the belt guy. Does does A and W still do the thing where where you have like the whole size? The whole sizes of mugs that you can collect. You know what I'm talking about? Where they have the big mug all the way down to the tiny one? I don't think so. I think it's all plastic I don't think at so. this point. Boy, I just I just dated myself so Those unbelievably. Those are the bygone that, days. That's right. Next to my next to my Avon decanters. I remember when music. It's not there anymore. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. You know what I get confused is eighty second 
and whatever is it a hundred and something or ninety second? What's it? There's that next intersection that's way up there, like where you're gonna get the on two hundred five. Well, after the eighties, yeah. maybe the nineties. That's I, yeah, it's something. It's, I think it's ninety eighth or whatever, because there's the Asian market there where I where I go to buy my ginger, and you walk in there and it's like walking into stuff. It's bizarre. We were talking about this the other day, actually. You walk into that Asian market that's I think it's like a hundredth in Powell. And it's just these huge glass tanks filled with live seafood. And you sort of wonder, like, how does all the seafood get in here? Like, is there a truck full of live fish that somehow arrive? Like, is there a... Ma- I'm picturing, like, a huge aquarium on wheels, like the size of a building that just sort of that pulls up and goes... And tilts and just pours live fish into the market that they then put inside their tanks. It's all very weird. I don't know how they do that. Anyway, the point is, don't rob somebody in Southeast, because they probably get a baseball bat, and they're, they're inclined to use it. So they're going to speak softly and carry a big stick and beat you with it. There's a thick barge out there carrying a million gallons of gasoline. It's in a sandbar between Columbia and, and uh, the Hood River, I guess. They may have to pump out all the gasoline and then try to move the monstrosity. All right. Time well, for Grave Watch. Here's your Grave Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. Here is Tim Riley with Friday's Grave Watch. So first of all, we think we saw the mystery, whatever happened to Michael Jackson. He is being kept for the moment in Barry Gordy's crypt. Well, that's appropriate at, at Forest Lawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that makes a, you know, that makes a certain amount of sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're waiting for the brain to be returned, and then they'll decide what they're going to do with it. Secondly, this is the big story. For a charge in this grave scam, uh, police have charged four people in connection with an alleged scheme to dig up graves at a Chicago cemetery in order to resell those plots. Hundreds of desperate and distraught family members descended on Burr Oak Cemetery this morning demanding answers. News that their loved ones may have been removed from their graves, their remains dumped in piles or stacked beneath ground was beyond belief. Jesus God. Police accused an office manager and three grave diggers of carrying out the sickening scheme. As much as $300,000 over the last four to five years by reselling the burial plots as they moved remains around. The horror uncovered only after guilt-ridden co-workers came forward. There should be really a special place in hell for these graveyard thieves. These workers allegedly also destroyed records, making identification next to impossible. I wonder who is the guy in the group there that has that idea originally, and then how do you? They did this three hundred times. I mean, at a certain point over, like, was it like over lunch or something? You have to broach that idea to all your coworkers. I mean, I think we had to work up the nerve to ask for a different printer uh, back there. You know, but the, hey, uh, Ted, what I just you, asked Dave Zinn. You know, he gets things done. <laughs> Dave, we need to move some bodies. Um, but I mean, it, it, one of them has to say to the other, hey, Ted, uh, you know all these bodies we've been burying. I know. We only have 100 left. Well, what would you think about, um, I mean, just theoretically speaking, if we were to... Uh, not so much bury them as dig them up and put them in piles somewhere. How would you feel about? I mean, just theoretically, we could, or we could get lunch. What, what do you want to do? Yes, and then also the, the idea that in two thousand nine. I mean, I know that there's somebody who's got to like turn the crank on the coffin or whatever. But the idea that grave digger uh, is still like a job description. Or Sarah, would you date a grave digger if he was hot? Yes. Okay. Would you find it? Would you find it more hot? Like, would a hot guy become more hot to you if he was a grave digger for a living? In sort of a, you know... Probably, yeah, because south- I, well, I dated this guy who was uh, a medical examiner, and I saw... 
and uh, he had um, books full of like ah. all kinds of like horrible pictures of like horrible deaths. I think you've told me about that. Guy. Yes, he had. Right. He has a suicide book. All right, was this like dinner time conversation? <laughs> it actually kind of was. Yeah, While has, I'm making the rigatoni, why don't you look through this? So his copies. He has this um, when he was a medical examiner. He has his, his copies of um, it's a suicide book, and he has a copy of how the person was found, a picture of the suicide note. And then a picture of the person. It is messed up. It's the most messed up thing I've ever seen. Did you find it kind of hot? Yes. Okay. Just checking. It was wrong. It was so wrong. It, I, it's like, it's morbid, but it, it's morbid, but it was the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Look. Especially like people's like um, writing, like it's their actual notes. Like people have, had written them on like Powerball slips and like written, like some of them were like pages and pages long blaming, you know, like Cindy for not caring enough and. It was it's surreal. On the back of a Powerball, where it, it was it was just four numbers, not uh, not six. So I love the. Here's the thing about suicide notes. Occasionally, you'll read about a suicide note that's especially brief and glib, just sort of a bad day no, there are out a the window. Them, yeah, there are a lot of them. They're just like f you. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> they were all. Some of them were hilarious. I'm like, okay, you knew what you were doing. Uh, and then there was one when this guy was getting progressively more and more drunk. He's like, yeah, I started drinking again, bitch. And then like it's more and more. And another again. thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't even know what we were talking about. Where did we, oh, in Chicago. So, so this is sort of the opposite of poltergeist because Craig T. Nelson says, you know, you, you only move the headstones, but you left the bodies. So this is where they only move the bodies, but they left the grave, you know, or the plaque or whatever. And then they would just use the same. Well, it's, it's weird that, I mean, considering that this happened 300 times that two uh, different families never showed up. Right. Like a wacky sort of a sitcom, like when Alex Keaton would take two girls to the prom at the same time. Wait a minute. If you're here to mourn, and if I'm here to mourn, then that must mean... And then it, the corpse? And then it just cuts to the guy being... Who's the corpse? <laughs> and, then it's, and then it just cuts to the guy being booked with his mugshot. All right. Well, some people your, are calling uh, this startling and revolting. I think some people, uh, it means everybody. Some. <laughs> uh, other people are calling it the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Great morning time conversation. I guess those people would be us. There's your grave watch for Friday. This show is revolting. Let's do this. There do we have, oh, I'm sorry. That's my fault. Uh, all right. Let's do this. Let's uh, go to the phones here, and uh, we will play a, another round of Match the Sorting Hat for your shot at a pair of tickets to see uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which premieres next Monday. KUFO's premiere of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is next Monday, uh, July 13th. So I think we have, uh, I think we'll be doing this one more time uh, before the end of uh, before the end of today's uh, program. I'm vamping as long as I possibly can while Sarah tries to find it. the. I can't uh, find it. Wait. Tim, would you like to hum some music for the opening of the Harry Potter bit? What time did we do it yesterday? Hold on a second. Uh, hello, who might this be? This is Asha. Hold on, the humming stopped. Tim, would you like to continue? Could you just for just a moment here? <laughs> do, do, do. Oh, right, thanks. Hello, Asha. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Are you a Harry Potter fan? I am. Okay. Here's how we, here's how we uh, play our game. Uh, you will pick Aha! you will pick one of the four Hogwarts houses. They are Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, Slytherin, or Hufflepuff. If your uh, guess uh, matches what the Sorting Hat says, you'll win a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Are you ready to play? I am. Okay. Which house are you picking, Asha? Gryffindor. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what the Sorting Hat says. Right. 
Okay, then. Hmm. Gryffindor. Zootalures. Woo. All right, congratulations. Is it Asha or Asha? It's Asha. Asha, that's a great name. Congratulations. You are going to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince oh, next awesome. Monday. Thank you. Oh, thank you for listening, and you spread the word, Asha. I'm going to put you back on hold. Greg will get all your information. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Right, there you go. Fantastic. Excellent. All right, straight ahead. More news Tim Riley. Uh, Aaron Duran will be here uh, later on in the hour to review Bruno, uh, the new film uh, in theaters today. And next hour, Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Stay there. We're live from Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up sometime before the end of the show, sometime before 9 a.m., we'll be giving away a pair of uh, KUFO Summer of Rock. Uh, I'm sorry, not a pair, but a three-pack, rather. Uh, KUFO Summer of Rock three-pack. That is tickets to Crew Fest 2, which happens July 28th, Clark County Amphitheater. It's a pair of tickets to Stain, Shinedown, and Chevelle, which happens August 10th at Clark County. And a pair of tickets to the Pedal to the Metal Tour featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X. That is August 23rd at Washington County Fairplex. You can find info on all those shows at KUFO.com. And again, we'll be giving away a three-pack that is tickets to all those shows. That is uh, sometime before 9 a.m. today. Coming up later in this hour, around 7.40, we'll talk to Aaron Duran from Geek in the City. He will be reviewing the new movie Bruno with Sasha Baron Cohen. And at 8.20, Aerosmith drummer uh, Joey Kramer. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, 7.26. Going to be partly sunny all weekend. Highs in the mid-80s. Oh, will this PGE Park debacle ever end? Now the city council listened to a plan to renovate the park to give the Timbers a soccer-only home. They have until August 1st. That's their deadline to find one. The council will vote on the proposal in two weeks, just in the nick of time. An alleged Damascus peeping Tom has been caught in the act. Under arrest, 43-year-old Paul Cameron Clink caught allegedly peeking in a 14-year-old girl's bedroom window. Her dad and a neighbor held him down till the cops arrived. I would imagine they held him down with their fists by pressing the fists against his face repeatedly over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. From Texas, a boy saves his mother by calling 911. Mom is in the kitchen. That's Kimberly Crone. She gets struck by lightning. Someone's in the kitchen with lightning? Yes. Someone in the kitchen I know. The boy calls 911 immediately. Stop McCanny, 911. Uh, my mom... And my, my sister. <laughs> okay, okay, calm down for me. Your mom and your sister what? <laughs> they got what? It's by lightning? Yeah. Okay. Lightning came through the ceiling. Stay Ooh, calm and tell me Jesus. what happened. That's freaking. The uh, lightning came through one of the lights and it struck my mom and my baby sister. Is your mom talking to you? No, but she's breathing. Oh, that's freaky. So what is the deal? So how uh, how did that happen? Well, I asked him you, with all his vast electrical uh, science knowledge. Well, let me tell you. Crone uh, had been watching the weather warnings with her son on the television when she was struck. She felt like she was on fire when the current passed through her body. She was already on... Uh, the boy Tristan was already on the way to the kitchen to uh, warn his mother because he had seen a bolt hit the thermostat... Watching as Chrome collapsed to her knees, she crawled to the living room. Chrome instructed her son to call uh, 
Mama, her mother who lives nearby, instead he grabbed the mother's cell phone from her back pocket and called 911. But I'm still back on the lightning striking you while you're in the house business. Lightning came through the ceiling. That's what it says here. It struck her and his little sister. Mm. uh, Yeah, that's that's the way it sounded. So I don't know if like maybe she was maybe if it's it's a baby, maybe she had the maybe she was holding the the sister or something. But I mean, I was to understand that if you were inside, lightning that it wasn't like lightning could come and like open a window and come in. and Apparently, it does in Texas. Stealthily creep up upon you. It came through the hallway ceiling and it struck the computer so i wonder so i I would get away from my computer and lightning so is that a thing he hates these cans get away from the cans Mm -hmm. so is that a thing where maybe it hits i'm trying to figure it out and i have i have no idea somebody smart will tell us uh how because uh, as though there's anything i can do about it i mean it it sounds at this point like i guess lightning can can come from anywhere really it'll find you wherever you are tim see now i'm just picturing me opening like the, the mailbox today or something all right. Well, that's creepy. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. It makes you think, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Tim. Well, here's something to cheer you up. Charo is coming to Vegas. She's playing at the Riviera Hotel. Uh, she claims to be 58. That would be, <laughs> that would be impossible that's... since she started appearing on Carson in the mid-60s. She would have been like 11 or 12. <laughs> she claims to be 58. But get this. Her, her, she is from Spain, and her birth certificate there claims she was born in 1941, but she sued and won. <laughs> Saying that she was not born in 1941, as her her birth certificate claims. Well, she I is. I love her. <laughs> she is Charo. Excellent. What does Charo do? Do you suppose when you see her? It uh, says perform? here her show is full of music, dancing, and comedy. Comedy. I, I want to hear Charo. Charo comedy. I would think that any one of they those three furnish, things would they be. They don't furnish any samples. You have to go to Vegas and watch. Really? They're not. Well, they're not going to give it away, Tim. You have to. Uh, you have to pay for the magic of Charo. Maybe I'll see her if I'm not busy seeing. Lyle Lovett, uh, who's going to... Nobody goes to see... Why is Lyle Lovett (laughs) always on a concert tour? Who goes to see Lyle Lovett? How much money can he possibly make? Uh, Well, I... Here's my my take on Lyle Lovett. This is just my... And I should say, first and foremost, I don't know anything about Lyle Lovett. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a... He's he's, always looked like he's been 90 years old. Well, and he's... And you kind of would... I mean... I don't find Julia Roberts attractive at all and never really did. But I know there was a... She's better looking than Lyle Lovett. Well... Really setting the bar high for everybody over there. The, I'm just you know, there was a time when Julia Roberts was considered by many people to be and was a very attractive woman, I guess, in the estimation of of most. Uh, and she was a huge star. And I think and Lyle Lovett was married to her right after the Pretty Woman thing, right? It was like when she was at her apex. So you got to give it to Lyle Lovett for marrying the, 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 the most popular actress in the world when she was sort of you know at her peak. So you know, good on you for that. Especially when you look like Ly- his face looks like a, a grapefruit that's been bent in half. He is very unattractive. Yeah, or like like he was made out of like dried apple art or something. Like one of those things your grandmother would have in a fridge where it's like pantyhose that's like been mashed <laughs> into a face. Yeah. Um, pantyhose that's been left in the microwave too long. My take about Lyle Lovett and who goes to see him, it's. Uh, I should I should refine this statement ever so slightly before it, it leaves be my listening. head. Um, Lyle Lovett maybe out there. Um, I believe that Lyle Lovett is um, acquired taste. Not even that, Tim. I don't believe you could acquire. Uh, I couldn't name you if you put a gun to my head. I couldn't sing you a Lyle Lovett. Can anybody here sing a Lyle Lovett song? No. Can you name for me a Lyle Lovett song? No. Okay. No. You know who Has goes? He to ever s- had a hit? No. You know who goes to see Lyle Lovett? Ooh. People who. Um, <laughs> Why are you being people so careful wording this? I would say people who go to see Lyle Lovett are people who believe that he is part of their uh, well, well-rounded and exceptionally white lifestyle. Um, and I would say that... Um, oh, like the person that you're not supposed to talk about? What does that mean? Wait, what are you... What? I thought you were talking about Lara's friend that you're not supposed to talk about. No, I was... <laughs> 
I was trying to say that they were kink listeners. I was trying not to... <laughs> I was trying really hard not to say that. I don't think kink listeners listen to Lyle no, I No, see, I do. What and kind of music does he sing? See, but that's the thing. I don't think it well, matters. Well, that's true. I, do, I wouldn't know because I don't know what he sounds but like. But see, that's the, I don't think they go because they like his music. I think they go because Lyle Lovett is one of those guys that you are supposed to be into because he goes right next to the wine and the cheese tasting. It's sort of like, you know, wine tasting, cheese of the month club, house right next to, you know, house on top of Mount Tabor, Lyle Lovett tickets. Doesn't really matter if you're actually into any of those things. It just sort of it's well, like I a, love it is serving wine and cheese this afternoon. It's at like Meyer. It's Please like stop by and say hello. It's just He'll sort be of, autographing his newest CD. I think it's just sort of it's like a kink listener checklist. You know what I mean? Where you're supposed to uh, you're just supposed to you know go down the list and uh, you know and uh, and that you know and he's like item number uh, he's item number seventy four. He's right above uh, Coldplay and right below uh, you know like uh, Sean Mullins. Another guy that you probably can't name more than one song by, but you got to go see him. Why? It's required, you know? I, I think you get a notice in the mail if you don't What was go... the Sean Mullins song? Uh, Lullaby. Lullaby. Which is actually a great song. I have no problem with Sean Mullins. Uh, again, seems like a nice so guy. So he sings a song. Couldn't name, couldn't name more than two songs by that guy if my life depended on it. But I think if you... I think if you are a member of that demographic and you don't go see Sean Mullins once a year, like some guys come to your house and they like you're interrogated, there's like you're given a talking to. Yeah, he'll be seeing at some casino in Washington or something. Oh, but also Rick Springfield will be there, just like for twenty bucks. FYI, really? Does he come and sit on my lap while he sings it to me for that song? I don't know. For that money? All right. Straight ahead, Aaron Duran will be here to review Bruno. Stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, it's a tongue. Where you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Sex me. Listen online, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. A couple notes. First of all, apparently, I don't know that this is true, but I have received several emails saying, Rick, I hope Obama doesn't know that the woman in that photograph, this is where he's uh, ogling uh, the girl, he and Nicolas Sarkozy, who's the president of France. You can see that at uh, RileyLive.com. But I hope Obama didn't know that the woman in that shot is, I've heard, the 16-year-old daughter of the president of Brazil. Oh, fail. Seriously? I, well, I, just, so I don't know that it's Europe. true. I, well, I suppose it is. I suppose standards are different. Um, yeah. But uh, that is uh, something that has been reported by several people. I, I don't know if that's true. So that may she or may not be She looks a lot older from the back. <laughs> they always she do, She does Tim. look a lot older. Like She looks like an, an, I thought she was an older woman. <laughs> Well, Brazilian booties age differently than than the typical Anglo ass. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson <laughs> show, uh, Aaron Geek in the city. Uh, Durant, I'm sorry, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sorry, prepared. I, I don't have your uh, I don't have your theme music uh, <laughs> handy. Hold on a second, let me just uh, and with the whole and the there we go. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you, by the way, for not going the uh, any number of unpleasant directions you could have gone with. The, they always look older from the back uh, line. Oh no, no, I'm Thank all class. It's a family audience. Yeah. And now I'm just getting a bunch of email from Lyle Lovett fans. Apparently they exist and they have access. To... He also looks better from Lyle Lovett. He's just sitting there, just <laughs> <laughs> he looks better in a bag. 
Uh, let's see. This uh, guy says, my guess is you haven't listened to any Lyle Lovett. You are just going off of pop culture references. That is, in fact, entirely correct, sir. He says... I don't know where to start. Uh, I knew the yeah, title the one I know song, about... I'd look for it. Exactly. I know it was married to Julia Roberts. That's it. And he says, uh, I suppose you will attack John Hyatt next. No, no, no. I'm going to be reserving my text for John Prine and Steve Earle. Just let's be clear on that. Yeah. Hello, Aaron Duran. Hello. All right. Uh, Geekinthecity.com has got uh, today the review of uh, Bruno, and I almost said Borat, actually, because... Yeah. No, trust me, it's really easy to do. So this is the third movie now that Sasha Cohen has done sort of in this vein. He did Ali G in the house, which yeah. is the first one, and then he did Borat, which is kind of the big, you know, that was the uh, that was the watershed. And now Bruno, which seems to be just a variation on the theme, but same setup, different character. Same setup, yeah. He's officially out of character, so after this film, he needs to start doing some real acting. Uh, which he, he can in, do uh, because he was in Sweeney Todd. He's in Sweeney Todd and good. And he was very good. And then there's that rumor that I am actually very uh, excited about. That he was going to play Freddie Mercury in a Queen picture, oh, which would I just be totally fantastic. Can't yeah, you? It would really. Oh, yeah. work. He's got a good singing voice, and I can, he could kind of. I think he could really pull it off. And he vanishes. The thing you have to give a, that guy is he vanishes into character because oh, you yeah. can look at Ali G and Bruno and Borat, and intellectually know they're the same guy. But it, you know, it doesn't take too long for you to sort of to, to buy into the fact that it's the character. Well, even in Sweeney Todd, when his name came up in the credits, I thought, oh no, thanks a lot, Tim Burton, way to stunt cast. <laughs> right. But then when he comes out as the barber, it took a double take for me to think, oh wait, no, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. Right. Okay. He doesn't just. He's not just the one trick wacky kind of potty humor guy. So is Bruno? Does it feel like a? It's sort of like a cash in, or is it? Is it a <laughs> legitimately good film? It's legitimately funny film. I don't know if it's. I mean, yeah, it's a good film. My, the biggest setup with Bruno is that with Borat, even though it made you uncomfortable to watch, Bruno, Bruno, Borat had this kind of um, naivete about him where you you couldn't get really angry at him. You were getting angry at our society and what he was showing us. Mm-hmm. Bruno is kind of mean. Which makes it a little bit different. Like Bruno, when he goes after people, as Bruno, um, you, he's doing it Is on it purpose. Awkward? It's awkward. I, With I, Borat, it's just kind of like a child asking questions that no one should ever ask, but it's coming from a place of genuinely not knowing. Because he's a bumpkin. That's the thing about yeah. Borat is he's, I mean... You know, it sounds like I'm excusing that he's like a horrible anti-Semite, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But no, I, I know. Yeah. But it's just that he's a rube. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the setup with Borat is that he's, yeah, he's just some nitwit from some tiny, uh, you know, a little village inside, you know, Kazakhstan. Right. And doesn't know anything about the outside world, which is what almost makes it in some horrible way kind of charming the way that he's just so off-putting. Whereas Bruno is obviously he's sort of a man of the world he's far more worldly he knows yeah. how the world works and he's kind of trying to manipulate there are still some hilarious moments and i think the reason why that you, he sasha baron cohen gets away with it is that sasha baron cohen is not afraid to humiliate the hell out of himself to pull a joke off i heard that there's a sequence in here that is reminiscent of that there's that moment in Borat when he and, uh, the, and the big fat guy are sort of wrestling around nude in the bed, mm-hmm. and then and then and they then run the into the banquet room of the hotel. And I remember watching that, and you're just thinking, Jesus, God Almighty, this is the <laughs> this longest is prolonged nude male wrestling sex scene I have ever seen in my life, which and is saying awesome. something. <laughs> and, it, and it just kept going and going and going. And I, I think at one point I felt that I was going to pass out because <laughs> I was laughing so hard. And this, uh, there's something sort of like that in Bruno. Apparently. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away, but there is a moment you think, oh, no. How's he going to top? Oh, he's going to try to top it by going this route. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's very funny. It's not as funny as Borat, but you're still going to have a good time watching it. The whole problem is, though, is that the whole time you can't help shake the feeling that Bruno is a little mean. Is it? Uh, does it seem staged? Yes. 
more so than Borat? Very much so. In fact, the scene where you say, you know, I gave him a traditional name, I name him OJ. That's the Richard Bay The thing. Richard Bay yeah. thing. I mean, like, I th- Richard Bay's in on it. I could almost guarantee he's in on it. And that audience, oh, that, was, that, that that audience was handpicked, I believe. I uh, mm. looked up on Wikipedia and they claim, because, there's, yeah, there's the sequence of the daytime talk show and he's on the Richard Bay show, which has been off the air for like 15 years. According to Wikipedia, and this is just Wikipedia, they claim that Bay is in on it. Uh, that he, they contacted Bay and they had him put together like a one-off taping. Yeah. And they invited an audience who doesn't know that it's a fake show, but by definition must have been screened by the producers. Oh yeah, no, they handpicked all the people that were going to be in the audience. Uh, did we have? Do we have some sound uh, from uh, Bruno? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen says gay Australians are treated very well here in America. You know, they treat uh, gay Austrians really well here. I mean, in California, they made one of some governor. <laughs> Is this from the? That's is that from the movie? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, is, that, is that the uncomfortable laughter of the audience that we often hear described? Uh, Bruno wants to become an internationally known star like Heidi Montag. You know, Ish wanted to come here and become like an internationally respected figure, like Heidi Montag from The Hills, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and to seek uber fame. Yeah, you know, Ish wanted to become uber famous. You know, Ish wanted to become the most famous celebrity from Austria since Hitler. Actually, I think that's the Matt Lauer interviews. Uh, I, uh, Which is becoming, they're starting, they might as well just start casting Matt Lauer in films. <laughs> because he turns Matt Lauer everything. is Matt Lauer um, as the interviewer. And so I guess it, is, there was supposed to be some sequence of LaToya Jackson that I guess got cut out. It yes, wasn't in the version you saw. There was a sequence, saw. and it was, uh, it, was, it was quickly removed. Because it was they're trying to get Michael Jackson's phone number, which yeah. I think would be uh, disconnected at this point anyway. So, Too soon. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, uh, that would probably or take people. Or it would be people. really echoey. But you give it a. But you give it. Generally speaking, if, if you like Borat, this is still we're seeing. Yeah, if you like Borat, you, you know, check this out. It's not as charming as Borat, which I know is really hard to say when they're one of this. You know, is this terrible anti-Semite? But Borat did kind of have this naive charming to it. Uh, do you, what is he going to do after this? I mean, they talked about the Freddie Mercury thing, thing but is he? I mean, he's got to be done, sort of putting on weird accents and asking embarrassing questions. Well, this right? is it. This is really. Those are his three characters from the Ali G show back in the day. So he's he's out of character. So he's either got to come up with something original now, which these are original characters, but or you know, yeah, he's got to start taking other parts. He's got to go a different uh, a different direction. Somebody says that pointed out I forgot this, he was actually in Talladega Nights too. He was the uh, he was the French uh driver. Oh, that's uh, right. I forgot about that. Somebody says uh, this is uh, via text at 52051. Ask Aaron his thoughts about Boondock Saints 2. I heard it's rap shooting. It's due out next year. Really? Boondock Saints 2? Why? That's, that's my... Here's the thing. Boondock Saints is a terrible movie. Here's, I'll tell you the thing about Boondock Saints. Here's why. It's because the guy, Troy Duffy, uh, who made Boondock Saints, gets no money from that film. Uh, yeah. it, it, he, he makes no money on the DVD, the VHS. Um, have you ever... If, if anybody... If you want to see an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing and documentary... Painful. And painful... One of the best documentaries I have ever seen in my life, and one of the probably the three or four best I've ever seen about the filmmaking industry. Get a, a movie called uh, Overnight, because Troy Duffy, the guy who made Boondock Saints, was so convinced that that movie was going to be the greatest thing ever made and the biggest hit in the history of the world. He uh, hired a production crew, and Tim will appreciate this story. He hired a production crew to follow him around and document the making of Boondock Saints, because he was like, "I'm gonna, you know, I will achieve glory and become the next Martin Scorsese. I will pay you to follow me and track my every movement as I become an international superstar." The Weinstein's think I'm a god. Exactly. And so what he did is he gave this documentary crew full creative control and then screwed them by refusing to pay them. 
So what happened then is instead of capturing his rise to glory, they gleefully captured every single second of his self-inflicted failure and then released it as a documentary. And it's one of the most devastating things I have ever seen. So you got to check. It's called Overnight. Uh, what's up at GeekInTheCity.com? At GeekInTheCity.com right now is the new episode of Geek in the City Radio. We go in more depth with Bruno and we interview the cast of Leverage filming here in Portland. Excellent. All right. GeekInTheCity.com is the website. Uh, Aaron Duran, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Don't forget, sometime before the top of the hour, you're going to hear Shine Down when you do. Be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. You win a pair of, uh, or rather, a uh, Summer of Rock three-pack. You can find out more at KUFO.com. Be listening for Shinedown and be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. Coming up next hour, Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer joins us here. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there, won't you please? This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. Beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 820, we'll be talking to Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be listening for that. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It's 804. It's going to be partly sunny all weekend. Highs in the mid-80s. A Tualatin woman is charged with hiring some roughnecks to beat up her ex-boyfriend. 20-year-old, yeah, she's just 20 years old, Olivia Bunn, is charged with soliciting to commit assault, robbery, and burglary. The ex-boyfriend is also the father of this unmarried woman's child. She was never able to carry out the heinous crime, thank goodness. Laura Bush is in Oregon. Rejoice. The uh, Herald and News of Klamath Falls reports that the First Lady is visiting Crater Lake, a park spokesman said Mrs. Bush might participate in ranger-guarded activities, but no schedule has been announced. Earlier this week, Mrs. Bush took a three-day rafting trip down the Lower Rogue River with four lady friends and some Secret Service agents. Why, she even used a BlackBerry to send the former president a happy 63rd birthday message. Uh, golfer Nicholas Sampin is spending 21 months behind bars after bludgeoning another player with a six-iron. This happened on the golf course in Kent. His victim was part of a foursome playing with uh, this fellow's group. The crowd complained that they were playing too slow. An argument ensued, and that's when Sampain pulled out a six-iron and started swinging. I wonder if he his... at any point pondered using another club, if there was some sort of a moment of indecision in his head where he decided, no, 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 not the nine. That's too heavy. Well, the victim has permanent brain damage, memory loss, and will have vomit-inducing headaches for the rest of his life. Jesus God, I did not expect the story to end that way. I wasn't really prepared for such a dark uh, climax to that tale, Tim. Sharon Osbourne has been told she better say something soon about Michael Jackson or she'll lose her opportunity to do so. It's a tragic loss for his family, for the fans, for for everybody involved. It's it's just very, very sad life. You know, I think the last few years of his life have been very sad for him and he had a very sad ending and you don't you know, you you don't want to hear about things like that. It's you know, you can't really put it into words, can you, how that poor man, you know, suffered for a long time. Do you suppose that, uh, like, when Michael Jackson dies or anything like that happens, that there's, like, a, a series of uh, bullet points just start arriving on a, some sort of a computer screen in front of her, and then she presses a button and a henchman appears to get the networks on the line so she can, uh, you know, sort of speak as though she's invested in the situation? Yes. Time for a taser watch. 
Ladies and gentlemen, here is your Taser Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. The uh, the Mason-Dixon line for this Waffle House story. A Waffle House employee is suing the Gwinnett County Police Department over what he says was an unprovoked encounter with an officer who stunned him with a taser. The investigation uh, records reveal the officer used the victim, well, the weapon like a toy, with tacit approval from two superior officers. Daniel Wilson, the 22-year-old waiter, publicly spoke about the encounter Wednesday at the Attorney General's office in Snellville. <laughs> Uh, Wilson said that all three officers are regular customers at the Waffle House. Wilson said the officers often pointed the red laser from their taser at him playfully. They would do so when uh, Wilson picked a song they didn't like on the jukebox or when telling him not to mess up their order. Wait a minute, so, this is, so they were sort of doing it as like a gag, sort of a, no, 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 we'll tase you. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable, but they're my customers, and they did pretty well. I just thought they were being foolish. Wait a minute. So I'm getting the image of these of them being like the cops in Superbad, where it's all just sort of like waving the gun around at every sort of, you know, wackily at every kind of perceived slight, and then one day the laughter stops. When somebody zapped him with a taser, one of the two officers did, I remember feeling the pulse go through my body. It hurt. Investigators say the uh, he was only uh, spark testing the laser <laughs> near the employee's back just to scare him a bit. According to the official internal investigation file, these officers uh, witnessed the employee being shocked, but did not report it. They laughed along with him. <laughs> Look at the way it twitches on the ground. Isn't it funny? Uh, the sergeants later told the investigators they didn't realize the taser made contact with Wilson's body. Here's a little rule of thumb. If you're a cop and you're using something uh, you know, that either, I don't know, shoots a guy in the face or maybe fills him with 200,000 volts, maybe you shouldn't uh, use that as some sort of a wacky comic prop. Just uh, just food for thought. All right, there you go. From the South, that is your Taser Watch, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, was that story from Snellville? Snellville, yes. Uh, I actually did not realize that was not by design, uh, but I should note uh, that uh, Snellville uh, in Georgia, that is, uh, I believe it is a a small burg, as they say in Georgia, uh, Snellville was... uh, or is the place uh, where Emory Hospital is located, and you may not know Emory Hospital, you may not know Snellville, uh, but if you are um, a longtime listener of The Rick Emerson Show, uh, you will be familiar with the name Ed McCarthy. And Ed McCarthy um, was a longtime friend of the program and a CNN radio correspondent for many years, and um, over the past, I don't know, however many years we've been talking to that years guy, years. seven, eight, nine years, something like that, um, established uh, quite a presence on this show, and... Um, uh, seemed like one of those guys that, as the um, as the cliche often says, is it seems like one of the guys you just felt like you'd known forever. And it really was true with Ed. He had um, a very uh, a very easy charm and a very um, a very reassuring delivery, and never seemed uh, anything less uh, than both personal and uh, and personable and professional. And um, 
was uh, was somebody that we quite enjoyed uh, talking with. And so Ed McCarthy, who uh, was a longtime contributor to the show, passed away yesterday uh, at Emory Hospital in Snellville. So I'm sure Ed would appreciate uh, in some um, perverse way that we he led <laughs> right up to this moment with a story of a tasing at a Waffle House in the city where he lived and where he uh, he spent his last few weeks. So uh, our thoughts are with uh, everybody at CNN and with Ed McCarthy's um, family and his friends, and uh, he will certainly be missed. So farewell to you, uh, Ed McCarthy, and uh, your colleagues at CNN Radio prepared a little something uh, that we will play. This is uh, a tribute to Ed McCarthy right here on The Rick Emerson Show. We're we're I'm sorry. Oh, for 22 years, CNN Radio has had the privilege of having Ed McCarthy as a stellar employee. He shined in any job he was given, and he did it all, anchoring, editing, and producing. He truly found his niche as CNN Radio's national correspondent, covering such important stories as Hurricane Katrina and the presidential election. Ed had a truly recognizable voice. A company that deals in career transition says this is the time you must be at the top of your game, not too skittish to ask for benefits or severance packages. He covered the master golf tournament for many years. Tiger Woods teed off on one shortly before 2 p.m. Eastern. Ed enjoyed playing golf himself and was thrilled to play Augusta National last year after having his name drawn in the media lottery there. He made all of us smile and his professionalism and kind heart are examples to us all. Ed McCarthy was 56. And Jones, uh, CNN. There you go. That is from CNN Radio. And I should say, um, Ed, um, although... uh, Professional in every sense of the word uh, could be goaded very, very easily in uh, to doing what he believed to be a a stellar impression of Rodney Dangerfield, which was actually not it was, unimpressive. Yeah, it was Amazing. <laughs> um, and I'll just uh, give you a small taste of that. Say, it's a tough life. My wife, my wife. She told me she wanted sex in the back seat. Hey, I got sick of driving. You know what I mean? So we will uh, remember him um, we, that way. We bring out the best of CNN people on this program. <laughs> So there you go. That is uh, Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, farewell, my friend. Ed McCarthy um, from CNN Radio. We'll be back after this with Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it is a real pleasure to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, drummer for Aerosmith and author of the new book, Hit Hard, a story of hitting rock bottom at the top, uh, the one and only Mr. Joey Kramer. Hello, sir. How are you today? Rick Emerson, how are you? I am fantastic, uh, my friend. And I have to... I, and right out of the gate, I want to congratulate you on writing a book that is, it, it really, it's, it's not just two books in one, it's actually several books in one, because you, you know, you, you tell kind of all, you know, the great stories that people uh, want to hear, and the, you know, the, the, the tales of being in the band that people are interested in, but it, it really is also a, a journey of you from a place where, a place where you were dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of struggle and a lot of demons to a place where you're you know where you're feeling healthier uh, and better about life. It starts with you in the grip of this very very severe depression. That's where the book opens, and you make the case really clearly that doesn't matter what your outside resources or lifestyle are. That you know that when the when the troubles are are you know within your own head, it's there's there's no getting away from that sometimes. That's right. 
right, man. You do not have to be a rock and roll star to crash and burn. You can be anybody. And, uh, you know, and, and, we, and it happens to us, too. I, I know a lot of people, a lot of people have come to me and thanking me for, you know, the honesty in the book, especially about the depression and the anxiety. Um, the Aerosmith is obviously an irreplaceable opportunity. That's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, a gig. In some ways, do you feel like being an Aerosmith um, it's not a bad thing as such, but that it exacerbated those issues. Do you think in some ways you would have dealt with depression earlier or better if the band had not been a factor? Um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think the band, like, you know, helped, you know, the things that happened within the band helped to bring it on. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want, would have wanted to see it any, be any different. You know, because otherwise I wouldn't be the person that I am today, which I'm I'm pretty happy with at the moment. We're talking to Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. The book is Hit Hard, a story of hitting rock bottom at the top. You describe your interplay and your relationships with the other guys in the band, with Joe Perry and Tom Hamilton and Brad Whitford and Steven Tyler, and there's different relationships you have with each of them. And Joe Perry says at one point sort of early on in the band, he says, well, you don't necessarily have to be friends to be together or to be in a band, and Steven Tyler has a, a sort of um, tumultuous relationship with you. What advice would you give to people who are coming up and who are in bands right now who maybe have that kind of combative give and take with their bandmates? Well, it <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's combining, and you're asking me to describe a lot of different feelings and emotions in uh, a sentence or two, but, you know, it's... Uh, I think that the real the real uh, charms are you know forgiveness and uh, and love and um, you know let your intensity be, but uh, you know I, I guess I guess the one word I'd have to narrow it down to is respect. And is, is that sounds like something that you guys all have for one another because for the most part for the majority of the bands uh, in a time on planet Earth you guys have had the same lineup uh, you know give or take a few years and it, that's a, that's an astounding thing do you guys make a, a point of stepping back every now and again looking in a mirror and saying I am Joey Kramer of Aerosmith and this is awesome. I can't say as I do. I would absolutely do it every morning. I do it if I were you. I I'd get out of bed. Stand back and look in the mirror and just try and say, you know, this is the guy that I am, and I try and I'm going to try and improve upon it a little bit. And and you know, I'm I am not really what I am, but I am who I am. You know, and 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 I don't like to confuse what it is that I do with who I really am. Uh, you guys are out on tour right now, and you're uh, playing Toys in the Attic. And I have to I have to ask you a question: Is uh, as Somebody who knows Steven Tyler very well, um, I'm going to ask you something that has bugged me forever. This is something that has gnawed at me over my entire life as an Aerosmith fan. It is a lyrical question, and if anybody other than Steven Tyler can answer this, it might be you. In the song Walk This Way, when Steven Tyler says, To my next-door neighbor where the daughter had a favor, and I gave her just a little kiss like this, is it the neighbor who has the favor or the daughter who has the favor or both? that ah! all right well you know what i'm you know then it gives that gives me my motivation to get out of bed tomorrow morning that i have to what my, do you think it is i will see knowing uh, you know steven through his lyrics i would like to think that it's both i mean you know what i mean i i like to think it's <laughs> okay i like to think it's the ending to the ragdoll video just come to life sir uh, that's uh <laughs> 
Uh, so when when you get out there on stage and you you guys have played for a billion people you know, for you know thirty plus years, um, what if any of those songs still? I mean, you love you know you're playing with the band. It's obviously a huge huge part of your life. Even now after all these years, what are the songs that just get your adrenaline going out there when you hit those first you know hits on the drum? You hear the first notes where your you know your adrenaline just kicks in. Um, well, you know, it's hard to pin it down to one song. Um, because, you know, just my, my favorite place to be is like, you know, sitting where I sit, watching those four asses out in front of me. And, and I guess if I had to pin it down, it would be Lord of the Thighs. Excellent. All right, my friend, I want to congratulate you on writing um, writing an unconventional but very compelling uh, book about rock and roll. It is, it is well, quite a read. Thank you. It is, and I wish you the best of continued success in life, in music, and all things. The book is Hit Hard, A Story of Hitting Rock Bottom at the Top. You really, really, really ought to read it. It is in stores now, and you can find out more at joeykramer.com. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, sir. Oh, thank you, man. All right, thank you, my friend. There you go, Joey Kramer of Aerosmith. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, there you go. Uh, Greg, if you How just... cool. Big, okay, excellent. How cool is that guy? That's very cool. All right. And you know, because, I, because I've, I've thrown that question out there before of the, uh, do you ever just stand and look in a mirror and go, I'm awesome? And everybody answers that question differently. I forget who it was that I asked. Uh, I asked somebody that question one time. I said, do you ever just look in the mirror and think, hey, I rule? I might have been Tommy Lane. He goes, well, of course, every day, dude. And you get the feeling that Gene Simmons would answer the question the same way. Yes, I do. In fact, I'm looking in the mirror right now. And I like what I see, Rick. Whereas Joey Kramer is just he's just so uh, level and just calm about the thing. The book is really, really great. So uh, if you are curious about uh, music or Aerosmith or uh, you dealt with any sort of uh, depression issues, it really is. It's quite a read. It's called um, Hit Hard. All right. And see, now I have a reason to talk to Steven Tyler. Oh, Brett Michaels said the same thing. That's right. Brett Michaels. I, I am a rock star and I love being Brett Michaels and I want to die and come back as me. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. And I'm going anywhere. We will return. It is Friday morning. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you you keep listening. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right, coming up at 9 o'clock, it is uh, Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. And uh, following that, Court and Fatboy. They will be uh, giving away tickets before you can buy them for Alice in Chains, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, Gordon Fabboy this afternoon, 3 till 7 o'clock. Right now, though, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 840. It's going to be partly sunny all weekend. High temperatures in the mid-80s. Rejoice. Oregon's getting a new area code. It'll be 458, but not everybody can have it. Only if you live in southern or central Oregon... Now, these areas are running out of phone numbers, so they have to be more. There are now four statewide area codes, including 503, 541, and 971. You know, as we get more phones that are, that are sort of smartphones or handheld devices, like, a, like an iPhone or a BlackBerry, it seems like we ought to be able to get rid of the area code thing altogether in, other, in terms of having to dial it. And you should just be able to um, just press the city. You know what I mean? Like you could just say, oh, that'd be great. Portland. Seven five three one one one, you know, whatever you just, you know, you could just say bend five five five, blah blah blah, and it just and it does that for you. That way, it would know 
exactly where you're trying to call. Although I guess if you have different area codes within the same city, it still wouldn't. It still would not know the difference. Nah, never mind. I guess that's a stupid. That'd idea. be a waste. It is. That's a stupid idea, Rick. I'm stupid. <laughs> well, stupid. 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 Something to think about next weekend. We'll revisit it Monday. <laughs> I just. I suddenly just turned into Philip Seymour Hoffman and Boogie Nights. Oh. Damn an idiot! Yeah. All right. President Obama's meeting with the Pope at the Vatican at this hour. The two are sitting staring at the Pope's ass, too. Well, they're sitting across on the table, smiling at each other. Maybe they saw an attractive altar boy walk by and they decided to uh, observe him from the back. I don't think Barack Obama would be interested in that. Probably not. Do you wonder if there's going to be some sort of uh, blowback at home because of the uh, photo of him staring at that 16-year-old girl? He He hasn't been home. Really? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. He's gonna stand France a little while. Longer. That's by design. Well, apparently it is. Uh, there's two things you can say about France at this point. Uh, Michelle Obama isn't there, and apparently it's full of nubile women at whom our president can stay. And by the way, I am all for that. But let me just say this. Here's why this is a great photograph. And uh, Tim, is this at your website? Yes. Uh, you can go to RileyLive.com and you can see this uh, the fantastic photograph. It may be the best picture ever taken of a president. Let's just say that. I mean, it, this may be. The best image ever captured of an American leader. It is Barack Obama. Uh, and are they in France? Is yes, that the they're deal? in France. So they're in France. He is staring at the backside of a lovely young lady uh, who is walking by. And then off to his left, you can see um, Francis uh, Sarkozy, who is the president of France. And he is looking approvingly, but it's hard to tell whether he's approving of the woman's uh, backside or of Barack Obama's appreciating the backside or quite possibly both. This photo is great because, A, hot girl, B, our president uh, checking the hot girl out, C, looking awesome while doing it, D, the fact that, I mean, just even in this one photo, it tells you everything you need to know, because the, the, like the French guy could not, he couldn't look more ineffectual if his life depended on him. He does look like, a, he's like the living embodiment of all French stereotype, just in this one tiny frame oh, yeah. that they've captured. So well, France is an ineffective country, really. They, they really are. I want to get a huge color print out of this and just hang it everywhere. I want this to be the new national flag. You know what I mean? Just sort of like stars and stripes and then this picture of Barack Obama. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, McDonald's has a new promotion. Let's go the free Mocha Monkeys. Oh, that should be uh, McCoffee. Oh, McCafe. I'm getting this worth every time. Mocha it's Mondays. Mc- it's a McAfee drink. It's yes, to search it your body for viruses after you it consume is. it. It's going to be starting McDonald's across the country next week. The promotion lets you get a free 7-ounce ice or 8-ounce hot mocha from the new fast food restaurant Monday from 7 to 7, starting July 13th. That's McAfee Mocha Monday. I'm still back on the idea of a McAfee uh, shake. I know. After you drink it, is it uh, every 90 days, does it require you to like sort of update the drink within your system? No, 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 I'm uh, sorry. 90 it, it makes you wait an hour before it'll let you start doing anything. <laughs> No, no, no! You don't want this. Uh, you don't want this shake to lapse. You better renew right now. Please enter this code. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, something must be done about bed bugs. A Jack Russell Terrier is taking the bite out of bed bugs in Wisconsin. The housing authority in Milwaukee—that's Wisconsin, not the one here—shelled out ten thousand dollars to buy Gracie to help with bed bug inspections. The twelve-pound pooch is trained to sniff out bed bugs. Uh, she's going to go through fifteen hundred housing units and seek them out. How do you smell bed by, I guess, when they're hot, they sweat. I, I don't know. That's a thing that I don't want to think about. I don't want to think about the poor dog whose job. I mean, normally dogs get to smell exciting things like cocaine and bombs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really, really is pulling the short straw in the canine world. If your job is to smell insects. They're taking jobs away from people. That's right, Tim. Uh, 
Let's see. By the, you know, here's I was just uh, I was just uh, changing something on my uh, my Facebook page during the break, and then I, I have a question. What does it mean when somebody pokes you on Facebook? Am I, I don't supposed know, to but do it, something it's there? It's ridiculous. It bugs me for reasons it that I can't explain. But so I don't much. even know what it is. Like, do you think like that's the thing? Oh, I think they want to speak with you now. But is that the thing where it bugs you, even though, or perhaps Rick, because totally you gonna, don't know what it means? I'm going to poke you right now. <laughs> right. Are we friends on Facebook? Yeah. Are right. we? Oh, I didn't know that. He's going to give you a poke. Do I have to actively? Wait, be... I think. Whoa. You have like five Facebook pages. Is this now? I only have one. There are many. Uh, there's uh, there are Rick Emerson impersonators. Is the uh, one that's yours the, the one where we're all uh, where you're standing? The it's the one that picture? has me with the arch in the background where okay, I cool. where I look like a I look like him from the uh, the movie right, Salesman. How do I poke you? Reach over the counter. <laughs> I wasn't. See, I was just going to let it sit there. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't I, know either. I am so. Where, where's where's the the button for for a poke? Where's poke the, Rick. There it is. So, is there a button that just says poke you Rick? You were about to poke Rick. He will be informed of this poke the next time he logs in. You were about to gouge out one of Rick's eyes. So does that mean you have to re-log in? Or are you That's getting, so creepy. Are you getting poked in real time or later? Is there a delay Well, I don't know. And like, I have somebody that I... There's somebody I used to work with uh, years and years and years ago who poked me like weeks ago on Facebook, and I just ignored it forever. And I think it goes away after a while if you just don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't... But I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Like, what is that? Maybe you poke back. Maybe it's like a game. Rick, you should poke me back. How do I do that, though? I don't understand. <laughs> find, find the poke that. button. Wait a minute. It's now, below the picture. I, but how do I find your picture? Oh, I just type in Sarah. Yeah, type in my name at Hold the top. Hold on. Sarah. This is a Dylan. lot of work to poke someone. I Okay, so I'm going to uh, okay, Sarah Dillon. Okay, so you're poke in, Sarah. In mutual poking. <laughs> what is this photograph of you holding pitchforks? That was when I was in Bremerton. That, that was the Maple Leaf Tavern that I was telling you about. I am the about... It was covered in... Um, Beer, like the ceiling's covered in beer cans, and it's like a shack in the well. Oh, the I thought you were doing gardening. You are about to poke Sarah. All the right. The bathroom are covered in pornography. Okay, so I I've done that, but that, so you poked me. Okay, but yeah, but realize that this right, doesn't go. This doesn't at all help us uh, to figure, figure out, out what, what it is. does. I think this is where people are with a lot of spare time on their hands. Okay, now I've gone to my profile, and there's no. It doesn't say that I've been poked. It doesn't. Maybe it, it's a secret, like nudge. Maybe thing, you like, have to go through the the, uh, the screening poker. <laughs> hey, screening wanna... poker. He, he screens all the pokes to make sure they're legitimate. I don't, but I mean, is it, is it just to get your attention? Yes. I think so. Aren't there, I mean, isn't there like a thousand different ways to get your attention on Facebook? Like, can't you send something like there's an instant message or you could send well, like a, like when a, you're both a, three feet from each other, yes. Well, this is, but this is just, this is oh, a laboratory this is setting. This is like we're recreating something in the field here in the laboratory okay. so we can, uh, so we can explain it to the people. Although clearly I, I the people need there, to explain that. There aren't enough way to communicate. You can't communicate with each other because there just aren't enough ways. <laughs> it does say my email, Facebook. Rick Emerson poked you on Facebook. I didn't. I didn't get anything. And so, so this woman uh, that I used to work with sent me a poke or whatever, and it's like you have been poked by so and so. And I stared at the screen for a while, and I was so confused by the whole thing, I just went and and I just and let me ask you. Here's another Facebook question. Mm-hmm. This is not local, but it is relatable because you know everybody has that Facebook now. Oh. If you look at the bottom, do you guys get this on Facebook where there's like a thousand like little chat window things that have opened up? Th- that that means th- people are trying to talk to you. At the bottom, what does it mean when it says chat, and then in parentheses it says 46? That means there are 46 people online wanting to chat with you. Now? Not, not wanting to chat with you, but yeah. I mean that are online that could chat. Oh, I could. They're, they're all Why chatable. only 46? So why, can, why can't I, why can't I chat with online. everybody? Th- those are all your friends. Those are the people that are online. I don't want to talk to 46 people. Well, then you can sign up. Ignore Go it. up to options, and then... Now, but if I, but well, but don't I have to be so uh, signed right in now? to use this? See, right now I could say hi. I'm going to say hi to Kristen Bowie. All right. Can people tell when you're logged into Facebook? Yes. Is there a way to not make that the case? I don't think so. Could I sound more antisocial? Could I sound more no, like... No, you just go up to options and then... Um... Could I sound more like a person who doesn't want to speak to anybody Get ever? Get the prompt that says, leave me alone. Rick, yeah. 
Don't they, they need a big, you know, that's that, what that they need. The first one, Isolate me. That's exactly. A big red X. There needs to be a cone of silence button. That's a, There needs to be a button called Fortress of Solitude. And you mm-hmm. press it, and, and it just comes down over you. And then suddenly you're like in a big uh, ice room filled with polar bears and giant mechanical like spiders. Quit sending me. Now I'm just getting texts that say, poke me, Rick. Come on, poke me now. <laughs> Stop it. All right, I'm closing this window. Now. F this. Isn't Facebook it. fun? No. It bonds no. us all. Uh, all right. Uh, you sons of bitches. Now I'm just getting hundreds of Facebook pokes. <laughs> stop it. Stop, stop it now. Jesus. No, and if you go, and by these little final thing I'll say about this, and we got to wrap it up uh, for the week. If you go to Rick, if you go to Facebook or, or the, 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 the Bing or whatever the kids are using now to search, and you put in Rick Emerson, there's like, Sarah just pointed out, there's like 50 different Rick Emerson Facebook pages. Almost none of those are me. There's really only one of them that is me. So They're all imposters? That's, uh, they're, Every single I, one. I'm not saying they're imposters, but I'm saying they're pages that if you did not inspect it very closely, uh, you would think that it was uh, me. There are people suggesting they are you. And then there's and then there's one that's run by the guy who whose name is also Rick Emerson, who's just always getting, he's getting pissed off because every time some new social uh, application opens, that uh, Sarah and I will register Rick Emerson at it, and then he sends me hate-filled emails. <laughs> you know, there are other Rick Emersons in the world, you jackass. There's another, there's a Sarah Dillon who's a singer-songwriter who, who's done that to me before. Really? Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You do you have to register everything that says Rick Emerson? To which I responded back: yes. well, you "Snooze, you lose, friend. It's not my fault you weren't at home. It's not. It's not. It's not my fault you're not quicker on the uptake." All right. Well, on that. Well, uh, it's your own fault anyway. On that disproportionately angry note, uh, let's <laughs> announce this: that coming up at nine o'clock, something to smile about. Um, you will be able to, uh, at 9 o'clock, if you go to KUFO.com, you'll be able to uh, purchase a gift certificate to the agency, Ultra Sports Lounge, a $50 gift certificate for half off. You can get it for just $25, and uh, anything you get during the KUFO half-off sale is half-off. So one gets you two, uh, five gets you ten, etc. You can get a $50 gift certificate at the agency, Ultra Sports Lounge, for $25. It's right across the street from PGE Park. It has all kinds of great food of, uh, you know, every different variety, sort and style and fashion and manner. It's also got gaming systems. It's got console games. It's got uh, televisions and not just a few and not just, you know, like some uh, rinky set that's above the countertop or something. No, they're it's, huge. It, the massive, yeah. big flat screen TVs. And you can get uh, sporting events that are, you know, that are on right now. You can watch those. You can watch stuff that happened last year. They've got it all digitally archived. So you really ought to go check it out. They are right there across from PGE Park, the Agency Ultra Sports Lounge, and those gift certificates are going to be on sale at KUFO.com for half off at 9 a.m. today. Uh, right now, though, in advance of that, we're going to give away one final uh, certificate to the agency before you can buy it. 503-228-4101 is the number if you're caller 10. You know, win that right now, and then again, you can uh, buy them at KUFO.com at 9 a.m. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Also, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Also, from Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Uh, join us next week when our guests will include uh, Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian, and I think the return of Kelly Clark for the Willamette Week, but I might be wrong about that. Oh, the, maybe. It's entirely it has possible. Been a few weeks. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, Joe produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Cazillan for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler uh, at the front desk, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Uh, the web mistress is Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock coming up at 9. It is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. Thank you for listening. It is Friday, July 10th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Have a good weekend, and we will We'll see you Monday. Bye now. (laughs) Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.